The following is brought to you in association with and from a proud partner of the Shining Wizards Network. Entertainment here. You're listening to Pure Rock Radio. Feed your addiction. This episode is brought to you by the Bleeding Old Blood Club with this important message. The Bleeding Old Blood Club believes life doesn't end at 40. Live life. Take that trip. Learn that skill. Get in the pit. Learn to skate or get back on your skateboard. Shred it up once again. Check us out on Facebook, the Bleeding Old Blood Club. You can teach an old dog new tricks. This is Lee Payne from Cloven Hoof, and you'll listen to Radioactive Metal. Welcome to Radioactive Metal. This is Radioactive Metal, your source for news, views, tunes, and interviews. Here are your hosts, Snowy, Rock, Corrine, and Aaron. What's up, everyone? Welcome to a special Hoof Fetish episode of Radioactive Metal. This is episode 614, and I'm Snowy White. And this is Aaron, and dear listeners, as we record this, it's the 4th of July here in America. What could be a more patriotic thing to do than to have a cup of coffee? Why, you ask? Well, because... Part of our founding fathers getting sick of and fed up with the British government was taking the tea that was being taxed and throwing it in the Boston Harbor. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is one of the key reasons that we drink coffee. So rather than being a sophisticated society that's relaxed and enjoys high tea, that's a a soothing drink, we are wired as shit because of all this coffee we drink. So... Go to TrueCalt, T-R-V-E-K-V-L-T, coffee.com. Get the blackest, heaviest metal coffee you can get. Subscribe today so you'll never run out of it. You're going to support an amazing local business. You're going to carry on with an American tradition. And you're also going to get not one, but two amazing bands every month with that subscription. T-R-V-E-K-V-L-T, coffee.com. 
<laughs> right on, right on. Of course, I got a cup of it going right now in my How sex pistols mug. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I know I could tell just when you started that that read. It's like, okay, Aaron waited all week to do this. I have been, I have been. It's a good time. <laughs> I, could I could tell. Yeah. There is something to be said for doing afternoon shows because, like, my brain just works a little differently. Yeah, yeah. Normally, <laughs> we're kind of doing this in the evening and in all that but just with just the way everything kind of worked out that's why i don't have the lemmys going in my motorhead mug Pe- people might be getting a little concerned like oh through this whole quarantine and lockdown it's like snow is worse than ever when it comes to imbibing and all that well you, you can relax not to worry <laughs> not to worry I'm, i am drinking more more coffee and water than whiskey so don't worry about it how is everything going down there with you today on America's birthday. So far, so good, man. It's been a pretty low-key day here. I mean, the um, the name of the game is don't celebrate anything, so nobody's really got any plans today because, you know, cases have spiked. Everybody's going away. Um, because of the holiday and the likelihood of people getting together and the fact that nobody knows how to follow instructions... Mm-hmm. Um, masks have been mandated here pretty much everywhere. Okay. Um, we almost didn't go to the beach the other day because there was a misinterpretation on it. And, you know, we originally thought that you had to wear a mask on the beach um, and, and into the water. I'm like, that doesn't make any that sense. That doesn't, yeah. Uh, I'm like, because uh-huh. it's not going to work if you do that. So <laughs> let, let me call somebody else. So I called the, the health and safety for the local beach here. And I'm like, hey, where do we need a mask? She's like, oh, well, anytime you're in a public space. Like if you're up in the up in the shops, the streets, the restaurants, you know, um, anytime you can't be six feet away from people. She's like, if you're on the sand or the water, stay six feet away and you don't need a mask. I'm like, okay, that's totally reasonable and completely makes sense. And that's exactly what we did. We stayed away from people. And we had a great day on the beach. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. There's not really too much. Like, my my world up here is kind of opening up a little. Um, like, I've, I've made my way out to the record shop. I actually went and I... Uh, I saw Ducky. I haven't seen Dustin in person in quite a while. I just went and hung out with him for a quick minute, which I'll kind of get into that a little more in my uh, Metal Fix. But um, I'm still kind of a little, because of my domestic situation, being out in with, a, with, with crowds, you know, if I don't absolutely have to, I've still been very, you know, um, very cautious about that. Yeah, that's what you should be. Yeah, yeah, and, but, so, so there was stuff going on this weekend that, you know, once again, I'm, I'm missing out on. There was some kick-ass stuff. History made, actually, here in Winnipeg last week that I missed out on, and, um... But next week, next weekend, um, it's 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 kind of like I, I I have to do it. I have to step out. I gotta take all the, all the precautions and all that. But our good buddies band is returning to the stage again next weekend for a fundraiser for Bulldogs. You know who means yep. so much to this show, and of course our good buddy Sky, who unfortunately can't be with us today because she's running the place. 
You need one of those you hazmat know, so. jumpsuits to go out in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it seems that way. It seems that way. So right now it's still kind of a uh, whatever type weekend, but I'm making the best of it and hanging out with you and talking metal shop and all that makes things uh, makes things a lot easier. Hell yes. So I'm glad we're doing this, which not only, you know, just doing this show, but the fact that, okay, TV productions have halted and the movie theaters aren't open and all that, but you know what? Like podcasts, right? In, in, in internet radio shows and all that, it's still... It's still going on. It's still going strong, and it's provided me with a lot of uh, escapism. Yeah, we can do know, this all day long for sure, for sure, <laughs> for sure. So, yeah, we should we should have been going out of our way this whole time to get um, podcasters and internet radio DJs and all that. You know, just as essential workers get the proper credit that I think they all deserve. And all that. Um, with it, with everything, not only is it America's birthday today, I've also got some birthday hellos and shout outs up here, up here in Winnipeg. Good friend of the show, Kyle Braun, the drummer of Entity. He it's his birthday today. I want to say hello and horns up. And as well, I could I couldn't resist this when I saw this on Facebook. Just just today, just before we went we went on air, Gus Gus Pin from the band Sacrifice, good yeah. friend of the show, had him on before. We'll have him on again, and you know I bounced back and forth with him on Facebook and all that. Well, his puppy his puppy Bella turns five today. Aww. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. So so nice. I gave him a shout. I gave him a shout. I said, hey, I'm gonna give her a shout out for her birthday today. So why not? Why not? Why not? Um, and that's about it in terms of, you know, all the house cleaning and everything we got to do. Because once again, I'm kind of itching to get into it. We've been very busy this week. Here's our metal fix. But hey, dude, what's going on? All right, man. So Canada Day, July 1st, I celebrated by going to the beach with my family because my daughter's birthday is July 2nd along with my father's birthday. So um, <clears throat> to make sure we could get in some beach time for her, we did that. It was one of the best days in the world. But then that same day, um, Nicholas, I had promised him a trip to our local comic store. And Ooh. through a comedy of errors, we were going to do it on Anna's birthday. But um turns out she actually wanted him at the party, which we didn't think she was going to, so that was a whole other thing. So him and I, after the beach, um, got changed and showered real quick, and we ran out to our local comic shop. So we hit Captain's Comics here, and I picked up four issues of the Miles Morales Spider-Man, which I believe is a reboot, because it's only like episode, or episode, issue 14. Oh, okay. It is um, and I think I got like 14, 15, 16, 17, something like that. But um, have have you read the Miles Morales Spider Man? No, but I know of the whole story and all that. Okay, and you're familiar, so it's it's like like the the first like black slash Hispanic Spider Man, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which which I I love. Like the Into the Spider Verse movie was fantastic. Like they're handling the character like they're true to Spider Man, like. 
Anyone who has a problem with any of the stuff they're doing with Miles Morales, but can tell me that that bullshit they did with uh, Tobey Maguire is is okay, like <laughs> we're gonna have words. Because <laughs> like I, I enjoy them both. I oh, enjoy them both, dude. So the Tobey Maguire stuff. No, no organic web shooters. You can't have that. That's that you're you're mm-hmm. robbing the essence of Spider-Man. The essence of Spider-Man is that he is so smart. He really doesn't need these extra powers. You know, like his mind is what gets him out of stuff. He invents things and, you know, they break and things fail. So he has to figure his way out of it. Like so just no. Anyway, in that, like I've been enjoying this story, right? Um, and so in this, they have Stan Soapbox. Do you remember Stan Soapbox, like from the old Marvel comics? Uh, I, I, sh- I should, I should. Is that, I guess that's where it's like Stan Lee makes, you know, like a, uh, he, he, he just shares, shares kind of what's going on. Like the way, like I get up on my snow box. Yeah. Well, basically like the, the, from the editor. You know, mm-hmm. like if you look at right. Rising from the editor, like what's on the editor's mind, that sort of stuff. Right. So um, I'm going to give you some highlights here because this is from February 1980. And um, it's funny. This is the only one that was reprinted. And I just find it very interesting. But it starts out with, bear with me, gang. It's a philosophy time again. I was having a discussion the other day with a professor pal of mine from UCLA about the so-called generation gap. Sounds very familiar to what we're going through right now, right? Mm-hmm. And um, he's like, I la- laid a few personal opinions on him that I'd like to share with you. And it says, first, we're never going to solve the generation gap until we seek stop seeking the wrong answers to the wrong questions. Everyone yaps about young people being different nowadays. Forget it. Human nature doesn't change. It's the human condition that changes. It's the human condition that changes. It's the environment. What's happened to us, the world has been wildly changing, producing new sets of rules each time you blink your eye. So stop and think about that for a second. You know, this is what he's talking about in 1980. And think about where we are today, how wildly the world has changed changed just in like the last 20 years, let alone the last 40 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, like it's it's amazing because like, I read this, it just rings rings true. And, um, and he says, here, I'll show you what I mean. Say you've got two homes, a large country estate and a small city apartment. You play your stereo full blast on your estate, but no one cares. No one can hear it. You're not disturbing anyone. But play it just as loud in your small apartment with paper-thin walls and your neighbors want to clobber you. You haven't changed. You're the same yo-yo in both places, but the conditions are different. I, I thought that was a really, really great way of just kind of looking at things and explaining how to not focus on me, 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 but kind of look at what's going on in the situation, how am I affecting the situation kind of thing. And he goes on to say that um, young people are the same, same as ever, noisy, scroungy, mangy, nutty, wonderful, crazy as they've always been. And adults are still grouchy, grunchy. <laughs> goopy, hard-pressed, harassed heroes they've always been, right? Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. And, and then the last point, and this is this is what I really wanted to talk about today. Um, it says, none of us is all that different from each other. We all want essentially the same things out of life. A measure of security, some fun, some romance, friendship, 
the respect of our contemporaries, and that goes for Indians, Chinese, Russians, Jews, Arabs, Catholics, Protestants, Blacks, Browns, Whites, Green-Skinned Hulks. So why don't we all stop wasting time hating the other guys? Just look in the mirror, mister. That other guy is you. Well said. Well yeah. said. And that was 1980, right? And mm-hmm. if you think about what was going on in Stan's New York City, like the, um, the there was a lot of racial tension heating up in the 80s um, in, not the Bronx, um, Harlem. Right? right. Like there's a lot of stuff going on, you know, because it's, so it's very similar. So, you know, I have said that I'm going to continue talking about um, race every episode, whether anybody likes it or not, because we got to keep these things going. And that just really struck me as I sat down to read that. I'm like, oh, what what an interesting bit of insight, because who's going to argue with Stan Lee? You know? uh, not me. Not me. Right? <laughs> no. 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 Right. Yeah. And then once Nicholas was content, and we've been to the comic shop, because that's his favorite place to go. Excellent. Raising the boy, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. He, he loves going there, and he, like he, he could spend hours and hours in there. And we, we wore our masks. You know, we were good. And I'll tell you, like, I love this shop because, one, depending on the comic shops over the years, a lot of times they're just kind of sketchy places. Like, you know, like you're going you're gonna to catch something on a, on a good day. Um, but this has always been a cleaner shop anyway. And these guys, the minute you walk in, they have a set of rules. They're like, hey, you got to do this, put your mask on. But you also sanitize your hands the moment you walk through the door. Mm-hmm. So that way, everybody is starting off flipping through the collections with clean hands, which I like. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so that was a really nice time. Again, that's Captain's Comics. I love that shop. And then um, we, um, I talked Nicholas into letting me go to Monster Music, our local record shop here. Mm-hmm. And I picked up something I didn't oh. know existed on vinyl. It's a Johnny Ramone, the Final Sessions. Have you heard of this? No, no. So this is, a, sounds awesome. I, it 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 is. It's a twelve inch single, and basically Johnny went into the studio. They cut two tracks. One of them is, and they're both Elvis songs. But one's Good Rockin' Tonight, and the other one is Viva Las Vegas, which they do as an instrumental. Mm-hmm. Um, so check out the lineup. So obviously Johnny Ramone's on guitar. Um, they had Slim Jim Phantom on drums, and then they had Danny B. Harvey um, playing guitar and bass, like for the additional instruments. But then on um, side A on Good Rockin' Tonight, the vocals, Lemmy. Ooh. Yeah. Wow. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. It's, it's pretty kick-ass. And then so, yeah, so I picked this up, and I, it's a colored vinyl. I think it's a, um, is it purple? Is it what it was? Yeah, it's a purple vinyl pressing. So that's nice. Um, and then check this out. So, like, have you read any of Johnny's, um, well, Johnny's autobiography? No, and I really should. You really should, and I recommend reading any of the other Ramones autobiographies first <laughs> or no, okay. maybe, no, 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 actually, no, maybe you should read Johnny's first. Um, because yeah, you, you know, uh, it, it's very interesting to read his and Marky's back to back. Um, w- which is what I did because just Johnny was a strange dude. Right. So I don't know what musicians, you know, but like most of the time, even if somebody has stopped playing guitar, like they're still gonna play. 
Oh yeah, they're 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 gonna have stuff around the house. They're gonna play. They maybe not as much as they wanted to, but when you're talking like like let's say like somebody like an Ozzy, like Ozzy can't stop. You know, like there's just there's just no way he can stop doing what, what he's doing. And and between the um, Alzheimer's and now not being able to do anything, it has to be killing him. Like even the guys in Kiss, like they're still making music even when they're not on tour, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so. I'm going to read this um, that Danny B. Harvey put on the back of this record here, this this little story about Johnny. It says, The day Johnny Ramone came into the studio to record the backing tracks for these two Elvis songs, he showed up in the studio with a prototype of a Japanese Johnny Ramone signature guitar. He told me he no longer owned any guitars or amps because he'd sold them all when he retired. The only reason he had this one was because the guitar company had sent it over for his approval prior to production. I asked him why he didn't own any musical equipment and didn't he still play and practice around the house. His reply was, do baseball players go uh, go to batting practice when they retire? Of course not. So what do I need to practice? Uh, yeah, not, not practice. I can see, you know, you've retired. You necessarily don't want to practice, but I can see a retired musician just fooling around on a guitar like on a boring sunday afternoon i think that's something that musicians will never like they'll never stop doing like with the yeah. with the base with the baseball analogy yeah you've retired but maybe you'll get you'll become a third base coach or maybe you'll still watch the odd game on tv or whatever because like mu- when music gets in your blood you know and it's deep in mine Okay, <laughs> and I've never been a musician. Yeah. Like, if it ever gets to the point where I'm no longer doing radioactive metal, I'm still going to be listening to music every day. I'm still going to be, you know. Yeah. So. See, and I agree with you. And, and this is why I was asking if you read, read any of his stuff. Because I remember before the Ramones quit, right? Before mm-hmm. they called it. Uh, reading articles with Johnny Ramone, and he would always talk about the fact that he didn't keep any guitars in the house. You know, because they're like, oh, you know, how are you getting ready for the tour? He's like, well, you know, we, we start rehearsing before the tour, and it's kind of rough, you know. It, you got to kind of bang out the dents and, and really work things up. But then, you know, once once a, those, you know, month of rehearsal is over, we're, we're ready for it, you know. Mm-hmm. And reading his book, he approached the Ramones like most people approach, like, their corporate job or the pension. Oh. He he really looked at it as like, I'm hitting this goal for my retirement. Once I hit this goal, I'm out. It, it, it was so much a factory job for him, you know, which was crazy. Just the way that the way that he ran everything, like he kept he kept everything run so ef- efficient, quote unquote, but also cheap. Like they mm-hmm. could have absolutely afforded better things than some of the th- stuff that they did when they toured and. He kept it as cheap as possible, you know, like, and he, he was just, it was much more a factory worker mentality than a musician, which is hysterical to me. Yeah. Like we're talking like, that's not very punk, you, you, you know, like I, I understand though, the idea of keeping it cheap. Like I understand like a, a band wanting to tour like maybe in a van instead of a bus, even though they can afford the bus or just yeah. like, I, I, I get that. That's good for camaraderie as well. Oh yeah. But you they know? all hated each other. There's no camaraderie. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Well, I guess not. Yeah. Reading those books. Holy <laughs> crap. The tension. 
Yeah, I don't oh. know if I want her. Like, I have this preconceived notion or whatever, what I've just built up in my head about what the Ramones, who they are and what they did and all that. And it's 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 a fairy tale. I get it. Yeah. I, I like not thinking like I like or I should say I like the idea of them all being buds and hanging out and. You know, <laughs> yeah, but that, that, that's me not too. the way it was. Like, it's kind of, it, it's that's like kayfabe, dude. Like, yeah. you know, like to use pro wrestling talk. You know, like let's 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 don't expose the business here and all that. But yeah, yeah, yeah. And as soon as this conversation is over, you know, I'm going to revert back to that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. dude. I still do. <laughs> you know, I I still get it out of my mind. Like I I will literally forget about that until I read stuff like that. I'm like, oh, that's right. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Be, yeah be, they, because each other. the Ramones are just larger than life. Mm-hmm. You know, like I mean, if if you want to talk about a punk band that's uniquely American, it really is the Ramones. You know. I think so, yeah. Yeah, like they're 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 my red, white, and blue here. Um, and then so last thing, I am drinking a local beer because you know a while back we had our local beer discussion, right. and it's it's not hyper local. This one's North Carolina, so you know just above me. But I wanted to call this one out because it's called "Don't Be Mean to People." <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. And that's, well, that's perfect. Yeah, it, it like it was this stark white can. It just says, Don't be mean to people. And so I grabbed it. I'm like, Oh, yeah, I'm buying this. And it says, A Golden Rule Sasan. So it's a Sasan beer. So if anyone's had a Tulamal, the Megadeth beer, it's going to be a similar beer to that. And um, here's what I like about this. And I didn't realize it until I cracked it open today. But Equality uh, North Carolina, and I have no idea what this next acronym means Q O R D S. This the one after that I do understand LGBT, um, mm-hmm. summer camp program gets funding and you get this delicious beer. So this beer is going to the LGBTQ uh, summer camps and things, which I think is amazing. Right on. Yeah, yeah. So in the spirit of the Fourth of July, in the spirit of what um, what it means to you know be a free country and make our own rules and all those sort of things. I couldn't think of a better beer to be drinking right now. Um, because, you know, damn the man. <laughs> and, you know, we, we should all be treating each other with love and respect because that's why we're here, you know, because I, I, I wanted to find this. I need to need to find the, um, the inscription on the, um, oh my goodness, on the Statue of Liberty. Like they give me your, tired your poor your huddle masses thing mm-hmm. because like i feel like that applies more than ever today and we just need to be nice to each other but that my friend concludes my metal fix well said well said for sure for sure with with myself um like i said a little bit of history was made up here in the metal world in in up here in in canada in my hometown of Weenie Peg because the very first post-COVID, the world's getting back together and all that, the very first heavy metal show in North America went down last weekend. Rock on. Yeah, yeah. New CDN recording artist Votov, good friends of the show, you know, we're going to be having them on again soon enough. No doubt they 
put on like a uh, fundraiser for the Park Theater, and it was just their first, just like their first show back, the first show in North America in general, and it was um was also um, live streamed over Facebook, various different uh, areas, and I was uh, I was kind of sharing it, streaming it on mine, and I believe I threw it up on Radioactive Metals as well so congratulations good good folks at votov at, at cdn at the park theater and all that history made so it was here. in the park theater it was in the park theater yeah so how did i'm curious how did they do it do they do social distancing or anything like that they did yeah it was only a 50 percent capacity or the only they were only allowed so many people in and they it was this you it's a seed it was a seated show you had to remain seated okay and this, the chairs were, you know, six feet apart and all that. And it's just a lot of people had masks on and all that. And it was some, it was something that I wanted to participate in, obviously. But I just, well, with my situation, I just can't. Oh, yeah. You know, just, just not there yet. I'm just not comfortable enough to do that. So I really felt that I missed out. Before that, though, and this is kind of my own little rock and roll feel-good moments. Um, the idea I got this Facebook message. I think I mentioned this last episode, just in passing. But I got this face Facebook message saying some people from the scene wanted to get together at what is now basically a big hole. Yes. That, yeah. Yeah. That, yeah, that used to be, that used to be the club, the zoo. That's what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. The building got got torn down, and you know the club's long, long gone. And there's just this big crater where this special place once stood. Okay, and I was invited, you know, to have one last drink at the zoo and all that before heading to the Votov show at the park and all that. And I thought, okay. I'm not going to be able to make the show, but, you know, I'll come and do this. Well, I got there at, at the, I, I gave our good buddy Ducky a call. I got there with him, you know, at the time that we planned, and then we were the only ones. Really? Yeah, yeah the, others, the others hadn't showed up at that time and all that. So basically, what... Ducky and I decided to do is we were just going to have a drink ourselves but instead of um, instead of doing the whole uh, going down into the crater and all that we just decided what we used to do though is we would used to have what we, what I called snowy wisers where in between bands you know we would t we, there was a beer vendor on the on 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 the grounds outside yeah. of the club in between bands instead of buying an expensive beer or whatever we would go out and we would buy a king can out of um out of the vendor nice. take it down take it down the back lane and basically have an alley beer and all that <laughs> and that's kind of what we did so him, him and I as uh, he he had a king can I, you know, I had a small bottle of Jack and all that, and but instead of going down into the crater, which was the original plan, we decided, you know what, this is what we used to do. 
you know, we used to have the alley beers and all that. Oh, yeah. So we went, we went down that same alley, and him and I, we had our own little cool rock and roll moment. And uh, like like I said, unfortunately, and I'm really kicking myself that I missed that um, that Votov show. But uh, uh, just one of those things, man. Have you seen where people are trying to design venues for social distancing now? To design? Yeah, like uh, somewhere in Germany, they're actually designing an outdoor venue for social distancing where there's fan pods. No. Yeah. No. It, it, it was it was pretty interesting because, and I th- I think you've I think I think you've heard about it because I feel like we talked about it on the show where people are starting to repurpose drive-in theaters for shows. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Which mm, I don't know about that. <laughs> uh, you know, like it, at this point, any way that I could go and enjoy an event like that, I think I'd be up for. It. Like Walmart's going to start um, repurposing parking lots for drive-in theaters across the country. Mm-hmm. You know, that I saw. Yeah, that I thought I saw. that's going to be interesting. So yeah, just and it's it's interesting to me that people are already thinking of what to do because. That tells you that people are really worried this is never going to end. Mm-hmm. You know, like the fact that somebody sat down and sketched out a drawing of this social distanced venue with fan pods. People are concerned, you know. I mean, here we are in July, prime summer concert season. Nothing's going on. Right. Oh yeah, no, I I totally get that, and I think what people should be doing is doing our best to eradicate this instead of ha- ha- having to live our life with it. And you see, and it, and it's it's up here in Canada. And I don't want to get up on a snowbox either, but we've you know it's it's not just in the U.S. where where people aren't doing the smart thing and not social distancing, not wearing masks, and all that, but. Even up here, up, up here, there are cases in Ontario, surprise, surprise, yeah. you know, of packed beaches, no one distancing, nothing. And it's just like, okay, this this isn't helping. Yeah. No, it's not. But people we, have also gone stir crazy. Oh, oh, I get that. <laughs> Trust me. Yeah. If, if anyone is going to get a little stir crazy because there's nothing to do and no shows and all that, imagine if, if you're an introvert. Okay, like this is nothing to you. Right. Okay. But a guy like me, a social butterfly, like this is, I was going crazy within two weeks. Dude, even you my know? introvert fan friends are like, okay, I need to go somewhere. Uh-huh. Like, like I can't handle this anymore, you know? But Definitely. Like, I think what it really comes down to is I, this is so much bigger than stop this virus. This is really a wake-up call of how we're treating the earth and what we need to do to be good stewards of it. Like, oh, I'm going to go back to, you know, if this really did come from the wet market the way they're describing, and they're describing these other viruses that can go from animal to people, like, there's all sorts of things that have started that people are kind of ignoring. Um, and I, I can't remember... 100% what is going on, but there's something that's going on, and I feel like it's starting to make its way up into Canada, a chronic wasting disease for, like, the deer population. 
and uh, yeah, we've kind of had something like that for a while now, where you're saying like, okay, there is this thing with yeah. deer. Be cautious. Yeah, and and the thing is, it hasn't made the jump to humans yet, but like with that one, they haven't figured out a way to kill it at all. So nobody, it, and and the same time though. The pharmaceuticals will be the ones that tell you, like, no, everything's fine. We'll figure something out. But when they make these different, you know, um, antibiotics and people don't take the whole thing and then, you know, they, they tweak one little ingredient, all they're doing is creating superbugs. You know, they get, they get stronger, all that sort of stuff. So mm-hmm. we've really got to get back to, like, focusing on let's eat right let's get healthy you know and and not just for yourself but to fucking save the world at this point mm-hmm. you know well yeah. i hear you on that i hear you on yeah. that prevention you know begins at home yeah for sure for sure and i'm gonna get on with some tunes here but a couple of cool records across my desk and one i just kind of discovered just kind of as I was pissing around on Bandcamp, um, Death Cavalt, Cavalt Productions last year put out a really cool uh, split with the Japanese grinders, Abigail and Infernal Requiem. I discovered that, and I I like Abigail, and I don't know how I missed this back then, so I grabbed that, that really cool, really cool um, available right now through Dark Descent Records, um, Dutch Deathers Lantern, who were making uh, a splash with their last record, their new one, Dimensions, came across my desk. I think I'm probably going to go out on some of that today. And um, I want to introduce everyone to a really cool band, okay, called, and yeah, okay, this is what they're called. I didn't make it up. Which which taint? Ew. <laughs> okay, okay. Their their record, Sons of Western Darkness, is available now from TP Records. And okay, um, picture if you will, if Tenacious D thought they were um, some Norwegian black metal band. Okay, that's basically what witch taint are. A couple, couple comedians going by the name Lance, the King of Black Metal. Oh my goodness. And, and Matthias Backwards make, make up this obviously parody, you know, of the black metal, of the death of the death metal. And their new record dropped. And it's, uh, like I said, it's I, like they they announced um, the return of Beavis and Butthead. <laughs> okay, that that's that's going to be they're going to be rebooting it. It's going to be a new movie yeah. or whatever. Personally, I just saw that and I kept scrolling because I never liked be I never liked it. I always thought it made kind of like it just it just wasn't good for us. It made all metalheads look like complete morons. Oh yeah, it was still hey. funny. But with something like this, something like with Witch Taint, okay, we're laughing at ourselves, we're keeping the in-joke inside, 
and it's something that uh, <laughs> I'm kind of, kind of, kind of enjoying oh, and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, let's kind of drop a track from Witch Taint here from Sons of Midwestern Darkness. I think you're really going to dig Sons of Satan. suggesting that or anything. We just meant that we are your sons in the figurative sense. We were not suggesting that you had sexual intercourse with our mothers. Great. Okay. I'm really glad we cleared this up. I guess just, I don't know, go to the guitar solo now or something.
From that aforementioned split with Infernal Requiem, that is Abigail with Grave Reaper, and I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't recommend that new Witch Taint enough, dude. Go on to YouTube and just, just, or maybe I'll throw, I'll, I'll throw these videos up on our Radioactive Metal Face Facebook or whatnot, but um, their videos, okay. Really cool DIY. They look like, you know, they're shot with their amateur cameras or whatever and all that. But a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Like, if you can't laugh at yourself, you you know, you can't laugh at anyone else. And like I said, really digging that. I should probably get them on the horn, do something with them, I think. Because everyone, like, with everything that's going on in the world right now, we all need a laugh. For sure. Hell for yes, sure. man. Hell yes. Yeah, yeah. Tonight's Creature Feature. It's one of those bands. I remember when I discovered metal full time. It's nineteen eighty four now. And you know, when you when you're when you find something new, okay, and you just jump in headlong, just you know, you just you're taking it all in, you can't get enough and all that. And I'm at that point now where I'm in the record stores all the time, straight to the metal section. Flip, 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 flip. And you're just you're just taking in as much as possible. And sometimes, you know, or for the most part, pre-internet, radio is not touching the good stuff. Nope. And all that. So what did we have to do as metalheads? Well, we could read a a review in metal forces maybe or something like that metal hammer the fanzines wherever you know you would find all of that or you looked at the cover you checked out the name of the band you looked at the song titles you took a chance that is how i did it with cloven hoof really cool new wave of british heavy metal band that i discovered back then doing that exact same thing and cloven hoof just never left never never left snowy's mind and just never left the scene for the most part most part stayed consistent you know all through the decades all the way up to this year we're back in may actually it was more sooner than i was thinking their new record age of steel dropped once again from the good folks at pure steel records and with that in mind i got on the horn check another one off of the old bucket list because I had the good fortune of sitting down with original, well, the main man and the original bassist, Mr. Lee Payne, the man who has been the glue for Cloven Hoof all of these years. So I was really stoked to sit down with him, even more so because, ah, ah, Ninja Cat Productions, to which, you know, I faithfully volunteer with do all i can to help out and all that we wanted to bring cloven hoof here they were on the docket they were on their way i remember when miss when mr thomas you know the head honcho at at ninja cat comes up and he goes snowy what can you tell me about cloven hoof i'm like 
Um, yes. 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 Because I know Uh, he wants to know, should we bring them? Yeah. And and all that. And normally I'm kind of like, there's the realistic Snowy and then there's like the fanboy. And a lot of times when Mr. Thomas and I discuss this, I'll say, well, fanboy says, bring this band. Okay. Yes. But realistically, well, what's... What's what's it going to cost? What's the draw in Winnipeg going to be like, and all that? So you kind of got to weigh the pros and cons and all that. With Cloven Hoof, okay, artistically an amazing band, band I really want to see live. And while they might not have, you know, they're not going to be selling out our big hockey arena, they're still, I think, would have done quite well within the park theater yeah so we had cloven hoof on 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 the hook and snowy was a happy man one thing leads to another and unfortunately cloven hoof could not make it across canada oh Oh, no now just when you think well we can reschedule okay no problem this shit hits Okay, that's strike two. Well, there's not going to be a strike three because we've got we've got Mr. Payne tonight. It was a hell of a chat, and I am absolutely stoked to bring it to get us there. Let's go with a track from Clove, the aforementioned latest record, Age of Steel. This is the mighty Cloven Hoof with Gods of War. Bring 
First and foremost, the question I've been asking all of my subjects uh, this day and age, definitely, with everything that's going on in the world, the big question, the most important question is how are you doing and how are you coping with all of this going on right now? Uh, well, I think it's uh, it's difficult for everybody all, all, all across the world, really, and um you know, of all the, uh, as, as I said earlier, you know, like the, um, all the terrible, how terrible it is, but um, it makes you, it makes you proud of um, the good that's come out of it, you know, the way everybody appreciates the, the work that the uh, doctors and nurses have, have done for us at the uh, National Health, and um, in England, we kind of uh, gather on a Thursday, and uh, everybody just shows their support for uh, the nurses and the doctors, you know, we all sort of stand on our doorstep and all kind of cheer. For a, oh, wow. for a minute for them and the fireworks go off and uh, it's just our way of just saying you know thank you and we really appreciate what you're doing saving lives I mean these people are real heroes they're on the, the front line and they're risking their lives and everything to to, to save lives and stuff and um, you know we really appreciate that and um, you know I think everyone all around everybody everywhere all around the world you know really appreciates, appreciates that too you know and uh, we're all staying sort of uh, isolated and, you know, in, in order to save lives and stuff and, and stop our health services just getting swamped with uh, with all the cases and stuff. So um, everybody's kind of staying staying home and um, separate and separate, which which is which is what you should do. Um, myself, you know, like I, I'm, I'm just trying to. Um, uh, be as productive as I can, you know. So we've just got the the new album Age of Steel out, and uh, I've been spending all the time writing the next one, really. So I'm kind of locking myself away in the studio and uh, and doing that, you know. So uh, you know, maybe some goods come of it, you know. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, I've already said that on the show once. It's like, okay, all of you bands that are you know that are quarantined or self isolated, I want kick ass new material from everyone. <laughs> Yeah, that's that. You know, at least some good can come of it, as we said. You know, and it's, uh, you know, you, you kind of in sort of inspired uh, during this kind of time because you've got time to, uh, you know, sit back and just let the ideas come and stuff because uh, there's nothing else you can do, mm -hmm. uh, and it's a great way of spending time anyway. I mean, you know, I'm always writing, uh, but but now I've really sort of uh, put time aside for it, you know, and really throw myself into the work, you know. Right on, right on, right on. Well, speaking of your work, the latest record, as you mentioned, Age of Steel, dropped April 24th. That was your debut with Pure Steel Records, I believe. I imagine you're really excited. Yeah, I mean, we really were. I mean, uh, the last album, uh, Who Mourns for the Morning Star, was... Uh, it. it, it broke incredible ground for us really we were really pleased because it's the first one it was the first one with uh, the like the anglo-american lineup we've got uh, george core on vocals and uh, and he's amazing really i mean uh, it, that's the voice i always wanted from day one um when you kind of start a band you know you sort of envisage the kind of sound you'd want and the ideal sort of vocalist and um and george george is absolute fits it to a t really uh he's kind of a cross between you know, it'd probably kill me for sort of saying it, but uh, but he's like 
sort of Bruce Dickinson Dio and Halford rolled into one, really. That's <laughs> me, most hey, right rock. on. <laughs> yeah, you know, like, uh, you know, as, as, as singers go for a, for a heavy metal band like us, you know, like, we felt uh, really lucky with George. And uh, I've always written for that kind of vocalist. So he, he, he was sort of grown up in Panama and he was been a fan of, fan of the band like always, really. So having somebody who's a, a fan of the band, he already knew all the material and stuff. And, uh, you know, he's fantastically uh, enthusiastic and, uh, and very professional and dedicated. So when we got together, you know, like it was uh, match made in heaven, really, you know, and uh, we did Morningstar and it broke the ground, you know, new ground. And we were able to uh, do two headline tours of America, you know, because it's so well received. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you know, you feel the um, huge expectation on the next one, you know, because you want to prove that that wasn't a fluke, you know, because the chemistry was so good with the band. And everybody loved that album. It got great reviews. So I felt kind of uh, the first time ever kind of pressurized because I wanted the the follow-up album to kind of, um, well, it's please us first, you know. But I just wanted to do something that I knew everybody would kind of like, you know. The, it's what the fans wanted. So I really kind of dug deep and, uh, you know, uh, really kind of raised the bar. And uh, it was funny, really, because George George uh, George loved um, Morningstar as well. And he said, "How the hell are you going to top that one?" And uh, I said, "I don't know, but I I think I can." You know, like these ideas were coming uh, across. And uh, I remember playing him the, uh, the 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 demo, you know, the demos, you know, mm-hmm. that I made up and stuff, and it and it blew him away. He went, "You know, this one." this one does top morning start so uh from george that's praise indeed so i knew we had a good album <laughs> right on right on yeah when you said he was like a fan of the band i immediately thought of like holy shit this is like the new wave of british heavy metal rock star or something that movie like it's you kind of yeah. your own real life version oh, of for you know he's he's um He's an incredible front man. He's dedicated. He's professional. You know, George has got it all kind of thing. And he, but he's he's so humble and he's always like saying, you know, like I I have to kick myself, you know, because the band I loved as a kid, I'm in the band now, kind of thing. And uh, you know, it kind of makes you feel sort of proud and humble at the same time. And I'm thinking, well, you know, you, that's the thing I always want. In fact, in fact, I'll tell you how we got together, really. You know, because that that was that was that was amazing. I was, we were doing a, a festival in Germany called Keep It True, mm-hmm. and. Uh, you know, like I was doing sort of press interviews like all day and I just wanted to check out the band on just before us just to hear what kind of sound they were getting, you know, like, and I sort of uh, sort of went out there into the audience and I heard this, you know, fantastic band, but this amazing voice, you know, I was thinking, oh my God, you know, like that guy's really good. And then I, then I sort of saw them and I went, he even looks great as well, you know, like, <laughs> and we kind of had, uh, you know, we were having kind of trouble with our singer at the time, you know, like, and I was thinking that would be the ideal replacement. So anyway, I sort of, uh, you know, went went off and started to get changed, ready for the set. And then uh, then this band sort of, um, sort of finished their set. They were from America. And all of a sudden, the singer, who I was, you know, thought, I've got to check this guy out afterwards. I'll, have, I'll see if I can get a, have a word with him, you know. Mm-hmm. And it, this guy sort of turned up and he said, uh, you know, where's Cloven Huff, you know, kind of thing. And uh, and I went, well, 
you know, I'm here. And he goes, are you Lee Payne? I went, I went, yeah. And he went, will you sign this? <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and, he, and he produced all our albums and I was kind of signing autographs with this guy. I went, you know, uh, can I just say, I just thought you were unbelievable. You know, like I was going to find you after anyway. And, uh, <laughs> I, ended up, I ended up sort of spending more time uh, with George <laughs> at that. And we kind of said together, you know, he said, well, if you ever want to sing for Chloe and Hoof, you know, like I'd jump at the chance, you know. So we kind of exchanged numbers and um, I said, well, when the time's right you know we, we're gonna have we're gonna have to work together and uh and then the, then the time was right and there you go it was history and uh, and we made um morning star and uh you know like I, I feel very privileged having somebody as good as george in the band and uh we also we also had uh, danny as well you know like um they, they were both in the band called aska and um you know danny with danny was really tight so uh you know that that was a kind of start of our sort of uh, Anglo-American kind of liner. <laughs> no, no, with with this record, okay. Well, that also actually you're kind of leading me to another question that I have wanted to have after this next one, but this kind of leads me oh. into your. <laughs> I love it. I love it when my subject does half of my job it's amazing <laughs> well we're here to serve <laughs> right on right on but you're the original the only original remaining record from that or the only original remaining member from that first record when i first discovered you back when i was a teenager and all that and i'm an old man now but i've been following you guys you know for ever since then you're the oh, only original it. remaining member right yeah, that's that's right. You know, like way back in uh, 1979, we started. My God, it seems like a thousand years ago. <laughs> was it that long ago? It really was. Uh, yeah, you know, like back back in 79, it was a kind of a different world then. You know. Mm -hmm. Definitely, de definitely. Did you do you get any like bands like Kiss and Napalm Death and all that? They've they've gotten flack for being called a scab band or whatever bullshit expression just because they're you know there's not too many of the original you know without without this guy in the band it's obviously not the real band but like i think that as long as lee payne is in cloven hoof it is it is cloven Hoof. Oh, this is this is your puppy yeah i mean the, the um you know like I understand, you know, why, why some fans are like that, and they kind of like stable lineups if they can get it. But uh, really, when you think about like forty years, I mean, how many people are even keeping any job for forty years? That's right. That's right. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> things are going to change over that period of time. But uh, it's just like, um, like the link, the link right the way through has been like, you know, I've always written all the songs. So the songwriter never went. <laughs> Still the same <laughs> guy. So, so I, I guess that's why we've got our sort of trademark uh, sound mm -hmm. is because you know, I never left. And um, and I found the the only way of dealing with that was when um, I, I made a conscious decision. You know, way back in 1982 when the uh, the opening ritual um, EP came out. It sounds a thousand years ago, doesn't it? <laughs> um, and I, I thought, well, I'm going to stop buying albums. And I think the last the, the last in fact, I remember the last three albums I actually bought, and one was Screaming for Vengeance, uh, one was Signals, Rush, 
you know, that's my kind of favourite band, and uh, you know, look where yeah. they're from. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, you caught my attention with that for sure. Thinking about them all the time, and seeing like Lakeside Park and stuff, you know, signs for it, and uh, you know, my sort of uh, rush back to being a kid again, you know, kind of thing. Uh, because, uh, I, I worship Rush, and um, and the other one was Creature of the Night Kiss, and oh. and I decided, you know, to make a conscious effort to. Uh, not listen to anything so I wouldn't be sort of influenced so my music would stay kind of pure and so imagine when I pack this you know music business in I've got a lot of catching up to do and uh, <laughs> but but, it, but it's good because then you don't follow fashion trends and you keep you know I, I'm able to write like I've always written without being influenced by anybody so you know all I have to do is just write from my head and um, you know it's probably a, a you know a strange thing to do but i always thought well a lot of bands start off fantastic and then they lose it and they go off into tangents and they're not the same band as when they started off and the and the songs you know don't seem to pro- progress properly and they follow fashion trends well i never have so um you know i think i think it's uh, it's been useful to do that you know definitely 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 and as well as kind of leads to the next question this record age of steel is available on pure steel records now okay and this is actually kind of like the perfect label for cloven hoof because they have a number of bands from and we can say this because we're old enough now but back in the day bands like they've they've got like thrust omen destructor uh, spartan warrior and all that so yeah to, right to, yeah to have you guys on this label is a perfect fit was that kind of an idea going into it yeah well uh how it came about really we were on um high roller which is a german label a, mm-hmm. a great label i got a great relationship with them and everything and uh, but um, I was approached by uh, a guy called um, Bob Mitchell, and he's a, a real sort of um, old friend of the band. You know, I've known Bob Bob for years, and he's uh, based in America. You know, like he's uh, responsible for for um, he's a talent spotter really in North America. So he got in touch with me, and he said, uh, you know, would would Cloven have consider uh, Pure Steel? And I, obviously, I, I I knew about the label, and uh, and I said, well, yeah, I mean, you know, being as you're there, you know, like. Uh, um, we're kind of happy with sort of a high roller anyway. I said, but, um, you know, we're kind of open to offers. I said, because I, I know it's a really dedicated label. Uh, and, you know, I once met the owner at um, Keep It True Festival, and he was he was a fantastically cool guy called Andreas. And uh, what happened was I, I was kind of mulling it over, and then we had a headline gig at Sword Brothers Festival in Germany. And Andreas, the, the label owner, turned up to see us, and uh, we kind of blew the roof off the place, you know, it was a fantastic gig. And But he was so super cool that, uh, you know, we didn't have the heart to say no. <laughs> and he completely convinced us that we should be on the label because he was a, such a huge Clovenhoof fan. And, uh, you know, and, and so so we signed on the, on the strength of, of how great Andreas was. Uh, and I'm really pleased we did because it's a dedicated label everyone there is totally into the music and and you know into true metal and they love the um, new overbridge heavy metal bands and and we've got a lot of fans you know like working on the label of cloven hoof so uh, it was just a natural thing to do and that's why we wanted to do a great album for them as well because you know like when you when you're starting off 
with a new label you know you want to do your you know very best piece of work well we always want to do our very best piece of work and uh you know we knew that Morningstar had to be a, a fantastic album because, you know, so the label are pleased with us too. And, um, you know, really, I mean, I think our whole career, really, I've just been uh, endlessly searching just to get better. And we're one of those bands that never rest on our laurels. And I, th I think we just keep progressing and getting better all the time. Uh, and, you know, there's nothing stale about the band, you know, like we're always full of kind of uh, fresh energy and trying to uh, expand our musical bandwidth and stuff. But, you know, we're always, always keep to our sort of roots, really, which is kind of um, sort of epic metal, really. I mean, it's now called power metal and we were doing that in the first place. We didn't know we were inventing any new kind of genre or anything. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, you're just young kids and you just... Um, I, I had to think of uh, loads of different progressions and keep the music interesting because I had really good musicians in the band and they get really bored, you know, like, and we were fast because we were nervous in the studio. And uh, when you play live on stage, you know, like the adrenaline's pumping and we always tend to play fast. So the music ended up being fast and uh, we had a kind of a, an underbelly of um, sort of prog rock, really, because, you know, I, I, you know, here we go again. I was really into Rush and I, I you know, e e equally as much as sort of Black Sabbath and, you know, Deep Purple and Led Zeppelin. Uh, I also loved Yes and Genesis and, and, and Rush. And I think in the end we became just as rush with a kind of link between prog rock and more more sort of uh, a, a, a aggressive sort of uh, almost bordering on metal really 2112 was mm -hmm. we we're kind of a link between straight ahead heavy metal and uh, you know in between sort of uh, rush and sort of black sabbath then you know so we we're kind of like aggressive sort of heavy kind of um, prog rock really you know because <laughs> because songs like gator gehenna and um, the, the Clavenhoof title track, um, when you break it down, it wasn't kind of simple sort of verse chorus and stuff. And, and we actually uh, sort of tell sort of uh, stories with our songs, which a lot of prog rock bands do, mm -hmm. but we do in an aggressive way. So there's still an epic feel to our tracks, but instead of the verse chorus sort of predictable stuff, that, you know, Gator Gehenna and the, the Clovenhoof track and Return of the Passover off the first album, they were more like various musical movements, which a lot of prog bands do, and sort of classical sort of movements, to, you know, to it as well. So we weren't sort of standard new wave of British heavy metal either. So, um, you know, because we were sort of had multi-time changes and it was fast and it was heavy, this kind of thing uh, got sort of labelled um, power metal. So I think we were probably one of the first kind of exponents of that and you know th th it wasn't called po uh, power metal no such thing but uh that, that that label got attached to the kind of music we play and uh and now you know in in, in germany and stuff there's, there's loads of power metal bands but uh i think we were one of the pioneers for it certainly oh definitely definitely yes yeah. so you guys were <coughs> excuse me you guys were right in the thick of things with the new wave of british heavy metal despite despite your sound and and all and all of that i think you really came out of that scene with this there's a whole new generation now are discovering the whole the whole the whole concept the whole the whole idea so are you getting like a, a lot of young a lot of younger fans or is it oh, all old fogies that, that, like me 
Like we were talking, we were talking about that. You know, like even last week, and when we did our North American tour, we did like. Um, I mean, my goodness, there was kind of um, altogether it was kind of seven seventy shows across America, and then and we did did the shows in Canada too, which was fantastic, you know, like. But we were noticed that absolutely that half the audience are really kind of young. And uh, so I'm just like thinking, well, there's a there's a whole new scene sort of growing up and get you know getting into the kind of music which, which we've done all this time. And uh, okay, we get we get the dads as well, <laughs> but yeah. uh, but it seems to all the you know a great a whole new audience of, of young you know of young people, and we're kind of influencing a lot of like um, young bands, which is fantastic. And uh, you know it, it does the heart good to see all the uh, young people um, getting into it as well. And uh, the, you know, the, the more crazy the audience get, the the more crazy you know we do. You know, it kind of you feel like a, a mirror reflecting back at each other, aren't you? You know, like mm-hmm. life. And uh, seeing that sort of uh, youthful audience, you know, it, it keeps us young too. I think you know, it makes us work even harder. Do you still keep in touch with some members from the old scene, like guys like from Diamond Head, Blitzkrieg, Girl School? Like, do you still keep? keep in touch or yeah, did you ever have a know, kinship with them? We all kind of bump into each other kind of thing, you know, like uh, on, on, uh, with Diamond Head, that, that was, uh, you know, it makes me think of a good story uh, oh, like good. with me and Brian, you know, like ages, absolutely ages ago and he kind of, he kind of, uh, you know, it's when Diamond Head kind of split up and he had his own band called uh, Radio Moscow, uh, you know, like, and um, well, anyway, we, we, we were thinking, we were a four piece kind of, for you know throughout the early days mm-hmm. and i thought we could do another guitar player and, and and we found out um brian lived in the same same town as us you know but we, it's amazing how we never bumped into each other and it was like in stourbridge so somebody somebody got brian's um phone number and he said why don't you give him a ring you know like so because I, I wanted to try him out you know to come and join us you know mm-hmm. so uh, i phoned him up and right away he went, yeah. He said, of course, I've heard of you. He went, that that's great. He said, uh, sh- we should go out and, and jam. And I told him where we were. And evidently, uh, well, I was uh, living with my parents, you know, like back then. And uh, they had th- they had this pub. And evidently, our pub was the first place Diamond Head ever played. You know, like the first gig they ever did was a was a you know mum and dad's pub. You know. Oh. So he, 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 <laughs> what are the odds of that? And anyway, so Brian turned up and we had all the gear set up in the cellar, you know, that was our rehearsal room and that was pretty cool. And we jumped and we got on fantastically well, you know, like, and, uh, you know, like we had the, our first guitarist. Brian was really impressed with him. You know, he said, you know, the guy's amazing, isn't it? So um, af- afterwards, he sort of went home and uh, and he said, I'll tell you what, I've, I've, I've got my, my uh, project as well. He said, uh, "How would you fancy like playing with the, uh, you know, on my on my sort of new album kind of thing, Radio Moscow?" And I went, "Well, it's pr- you know, it's probably a good, uh, you know, well, I-, I quite like the idea, but the rest of the guys in the band really didn't like the idea of me, do- you know, doing anything other than Clover Nerve, really." And I said, "And in the end, <laughs> in the end, I lent I lent Brian my Rickenbacker, you know." <laughs> I, said, I-, I can't play on it, but you can use me. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I lent him my Rickenbacker for a, for a couple of weeks for, for him to sort of put some stuff down himself, you know. But we got on really well, and we've we've done some we've done some uh, we've done some shows together, you know, like and with Diamond Head. 
and uh, he's a gr- he's a great guy, you know. Like, and uh, you know, all, all these. All, the great thing about these heavy, these new wave of British heavy metal bands is that there's no ego at all with any of them, and. I think the attitude is we're like a brotherhood, really. It's like us against the world. <laughs> Hang on, that's what it's I want to hear. World and, and it's wonderful, you know. We we you know and and like girls' school and stuff. I, I we played uh, Bang Your Head festival in Germany uh, a couple of years ago, and and they were there, and uh, they're, they're just you know fantastic sort of down to earth London girls, you know, like and uh, yeah, we get we get on great with everybody really. We're we're always bumping into each other and stuff, you know, doing different shows and Tigers of Pantang and stuff, and uh, you know, it, it's just a fantastic sort of camaraderie goes on, you know, like and uh, it's a privilege to you know play on the same stage with with them, you know. No doubt, no doubt, and I, yeah, a lot of these bands like they're maybe. Not, if they're not necessarily from that scene, but there's a lot of bands like from the early '80s and all that, like they're they're back or they never really left, and you know, like they're still they're still killing it and all that, and it's just it's just you know what? it's amazing. I love it. Yeah, I, you know what's really cool? I think the only way of judging if music's good or not is if it stands the test of time. Mm-hmm. So that's how good the new wave of British heavy metal kind of music was. That you know that you you look at over forty years, and it's even more popular now than it was then, almost, <laughs> isn't it? You know, worldwide. So uh, that's the only way of telling how good music is. And uh, you know, there's a hell of a lot of good bands out there, and they're still there now. So it must be good music. You know, it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Going back back then when you were. When Clovenhoof was first was first starting, did you come up with the with with the band name? Was that yours? Yeah, yeah. I, I came up with the whole thing really. I tell I tell you what. I, I I kind of I was going through sort of. Um, I, I knew we wanted to have a kind of um, a sort of a demonic kind of um, sort of aspect to us, you know, like because I I was I was you know totally into Black Sabbath and. You know all those kind of bands, and um, so I wanted something that was going to be kind of a cult, but not completely obvious, you know. Mm-hmm. And I wanted something that the the fans could kind of chant, you know, with the three kind of syllables. And I went through diff- load of different names, and I just come up with Cloven Hoof, you know. And I had no idea of the uh, the occult kind of um, associations with it, really. I just thought, well, it's probably you know, feet of the devil, you know, that's kind of cool, and the name <laughs> sounds good. Three, three syllables you can like shout it out you know mm-hmm. and so th- so then i thought well um it would be quite cool if if we kind of have a real witty spell you know because uh, you know i don't know how any bands have done it but uh, i thought well why don't we why don't we have a real witty spell you know like on, uh, for one of our songs so my girlfriend kind of worked for the uh, library service and she she got me this book of shadows kind of thing and you know which is what, what Alistair Crowley um, used, used to use and and, uh, and stuff and Alistair Crowley was I didn't I didn't know he's actually from the Midlands he was born in uh, in uh, Leamington which is just up <laughs> just up the road <laughs> you know like I couldn't believe Alistair Crowley and uh, well anyway so uh, she got me this um, this you know, Book of Shadows, and there was this witch's rune, which is kind of for conjuring up kind of power and stuff. So you kind of think, well, this is just going to be for entertainment purposes, and you know, whether you believe in it or not. Um, you know, I was kind of, I kind of did for just, you know, as we say, you know, just uh, just for entertainment. You know, I wasn't really going to get into the occult, but it was really cool, you know, having wanted to spell. So. I came up with this kind of um, kind of spooky guitar line kind of thing, and uh, and I asked the guitarist to uh, 
to come round and I showed him the kind of guitar, finger picking guitar section and uh, got the tape recorder out and stuff and I was, you know, I was doing this like witchy spell kind of thing and uh, amazingly enough, he had a, he had a, he had a SG in a Fender Stratocaster and we put the Stratocaster against the wall, you know, in the corner of the wall so he's standing up, you know, so he's out the way and he, he was playing on this SG and all of a sudden his Stratocaster kind of, you know, well, to me, it looked like he, he, you know, kind of fell. But he, 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 at the corner of his eye, he said he, he saw it as if it was pushed, you know. Uh, when I, when I got to this, you know, sort of witch's runes thing, and he completely freaked out, you know. He's, he's like really scared. And he went, "I'm, I'm, I'm going," you know. <laughs> he kind of left. <laughs> and, uh, I was thinking, what, you know, that's a bit of a coincidence, but uh, you know. But I still put all the lights on in the house, you know, like I wouldn't get to sleep. <laughs> I myself. So anyway, I got this, you know, eventually we got this uh, singer. And, uh, you know, we didn't tell him about the uh, guitar incident because he'd think we were nuts or something, you know, like, mm -hmm. and uh, we might, might go, oh, I'm not going to hang around with these guys, you know, they're crazy kind of thing. So we just gave him, the, you know, the lyrics and we gave him the tape with the, you know, go off and learn it learn the song and then we'll go and do it in rehearsal and uh, I had a phone call from him and he went uh, you never believe this I was going over that this song you're doing here and he said I felt like something was holding my legs <laughs> and nothing wow. there and I went uh, really <laughs> and he went you know that, that's really weird and then then I told him what happened with the guitar and then he sort of <laughs> you know he's a bit worried <laughs> and then we tried it out on the, uh, we tried it in rehearsal and it was at Holy Joe's, and Judas Priest used to, it started off there, you know, like, and 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 Robert Plant out of Led Zeppelin, he used to rehearse there, you know, like, you know, when he when he when he first started out, and it's wow. in a church hall, okay. and we call it Holy Joe's, you know, like, and there on the wall, there's kind of the logo of a different band, and uh, you know, we we always made sure our logo went by Judas Priest, you know, spread <laughs> 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 their name was stenciled, and we stenciled ours next to Judas Priest, you know, we always had these kind of uh, ambitions, and uh, anyway, so we started with this song, and we we got to the creepy bit, and then bang, power cut, everything went off, oh, and then the then the vicar came came in holding a candle which we jumped out of our skin you know his face came around the door and he went what's happened boys you know kind of thing oh, Jesus don't do that you give us all a heart attack you know like so then the, then the singer left the band he left the band the next day he went this is weird I'm having nothing to do with that so um, I decided to cut loads of words out the song you know just how you know nothing's going to happen to us again and uh, we, we you know we eventually ended up recording uh, the, the track Clovenhoof uh, with the cut down witch's room kind of spell and we were recording that that particular song again and we were in um, uh, Impulse Studios up in uh, Newcastle for Neat Records you know mm -hmm. doing our debut album and then all the gear went off just shut down again so Keith Nichols I've never come across anything like this he said well, you know we, we've got Venom recording here and everything he said <laughs> yeah. well, you're using the real thing you are you know he said and that's weird he went I suggest you go home and you get rid of some some more words off that that spell thing. I can't understand why the gear doesn't work. So we so we we were all sent home for a week. You know why they try to find out what was wrong with the studio equipment, and they never did. It just packed in. And then when we then we when we went home a couple of days later, all the all the equipment started working again. So oh. that was weird. And then we eventually recorded the damn track, and um, you know it was it was okay except. Uh, 
the place went and burnt down just across the road. And uh, and even then he was saying that's this elemental bit going on. So um, it kind of um, <laughs> it kind of stayed with us that song. And in the end, the band just got so freaked out we stopped playing it for years and years and years. You know, like because uh, you know everybody was kind of uh, you know this is bad luck playing this song and stuff. And um, but um, the la- the latest thing that happened, um, we were playing in uh, New Orleans, and this guy went and you know uh, this this. Uh, right, magazine writer came down to see us and he said well uh, you're going to be playing Frost and Fire uh, Festival in California that's cool you know like and uh, he said I'll do a big write up on you when you play that one I went alright and and, uh, and, I, and he was talking about different things and just like we're chatting now you know I was telling him kind of different incidents that happened and he was just taking it all in amazing and stuff and he said well uh, you know how's it gone on this tour I went well every time we get to that bit we are somebody breaks a string or we get amps go on and, and and it was kind of freaking us out now as well so i was telling him all of this so he said i'll be i'll be i'll be watching and waiting when you play that song you know so uh, eventually you know we ended up in california we were playing the frost and fire festival i think i think silly on goal was kind of the uh, headline in it mm-hmm. and it's a great it's a cool festival it's brilliant you know we really enjoyed it and then we came to play that song and will you believe this? I mean, this this was ridiculous because I, re- I remember it vividly. Uh, we were coming up to the same spooky bit, you know, the same witch's room spot in that song. And it looked like my crucifix just flew off, right? And it landed on the visor. And I went over to George the singer going, did you see that? It looked like somebody pulled it off my neck. You know, like, and, and he went, I didn't see it, man, kind of thing. And uh, I went, oh, all right then. So uh, eventually, you know, we got through the song and I went off. But the writer from New Orleans, he went, I, w- I saw that. And he said, it looked like somebody ripped that cross off your neck. And he went, you know, I, I-, I just can't believe it. And I went, oh, no, it's weird. So what I stopped, what, what happened then, I, I always take my crucifix off when we play the song. And do you know what? We've never had anything weird happen after that. Oh. So he doesn't want me to wear a cross. I guess not. I guess not. <laughs> it's not me. You know, it's crazy. And, uh, you know, like, it just makes you think, you know, I mean, how many times has something going to happen before you think there might be something in this, you know? Mm-hmm. How, how coincidence. So, you know, I, I think I've got a bit of an open mind now, you know. Like, <laughs> so, yeah. So, uh, yeah. No. Are we tempting fight talking about? It? I, I don't I, know. I don't know. I wasn't even thinking of that, but you, we might be. We might be. I definitely know like, that. Even that. appears on your bed, you know. You, you can blame me then, <laughs> okay. can't you? <laughs> I think this story that you were telling about recording this song, come Halloween, I'm going to be taking part of this conversation and replaying it. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine? It's it's like. Uh, it's, it's just followed us around for years. This is another one. Okay. Look at this for a coincidence, right? Okay. We didn't play the song for years, right? Okay. And in the end, we're getting just all these emails. Everybody wants this track, lads. You know, come on. You know, let's just play the song. And uh, so bear in mind, you've got sort of nine years we haven't played this track. <laughs> and then we had a gig in uh, Valencia, uh, Metal Bats Festival it was. And uh, so there we go. We hadn't played the song, and then I made them rehearse it, and we rehearsed it, and we're going to play it for the first time for nine years at, in Valencia. And I'm a, I'm sort of in the in the dressing room, you know, like sort of uh, getting all my stuff together, 
And all of a sudden, these uh, these guys came into the dressing room, and you know, if they listen to this now, this is not done disrespectful. But it looked like about they all looked like they were out of Charles Manson's kind of, you know, really kind of heavy looking guys. You know, these mm-hmm. these people are serious goths. You know, like, and and uh, this guy kind of turned up and he went, you know, we're from the Church of Satan in Spain. And I went, oh, yeah, okay. You know, like, I went, and that's that's interesting, guys, you know. And he said, are you going to play the song? And I went, (laughs) I I think now the song you're referring to says, are you going to play it? And I went, well, yes. (laughs) (laughs) We haven't played this for nine years and I get the Church of Satan turn up. And we go and play. Now I said we get, we'll we'll do it. Okay, you know. He said because we would kill you if you didn't. And you know what? I'm kind of you know sort of tongue in cheek and oh, you okay. Know, we, you know, and it was falling on deaf ears because those guys were really kind of heavily into it, kind of thing. Okay. And he looked at the fix and he went, "Why is it that way up?" <laughs> and I just went, "Oh, you know, like they're they're not really sort of getting sort of the humour going on here, kind of thing." And uh, yeah, and you know, we did the song, and you know, to be honest, they were down the front, they were going more crazy than everyone else. You know, I'm real really pleased about that. But can you imagine, you know, like nine years we don't play the song, then the Church of Satan turn up, and we play the song, <laughs> so, and we'll kill you if you don't play it. So I was pretty lucky we learnt it, to be quite honest. I mean, I noticed everybody else. I mean, they, they kind of knew them, you know, at the venue. And everybody, when they turned up, everyone else was leaving. And, you know, pretty soon I'm the only person there. You know, everybody goes, oh, these, these are, you know, these got, you know, these are heavy guys. Let's get the hell out, you know, like. So they just left me on my own with them kind of thing. And, uh, well, they, they seem to like it anyway. So, uh, you know, there you go. But, um, you know, it's always coincidences, isn't it, you know? Mm-hmm. Kind of weird. Us around. Do you think you have a book in you to write one day? Um, do you know what? I c- I've got the most en- enormous book. Really. <laughs> I mean, things have happened to us which you just, you know, in this happened and you wouldn't be, you know, you couldn't even make it up. It's just ridiculous. And uh, I probably have. Um, uh, I'm married now, so I'll have to leave half of that out. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think you know it, it, the minute that kind of book came out i think uh you know it'll coincide with my divorce i think so i'd have to leave that bit out but uh yeah we've, we've got a million stories i mean you know like I, I think every band i mean with a band with 40 over 40 years kind of uh mm-hmm. behind us there's one or two stories in there i would have thought yeah <laughs> i certainly would hope so yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, who, who knows? You know, like uh, if the if the right sort of uh, guy come in and sort of uh, write it for me. You know, I've got I've got uh, I've got more than enough to fill a book. I think. You know. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. I would definitely <laughs> want to read that. Every everything you could think of. Well, it's happened to us, basically. Right on. I, I noticed just a little while ago, while you were fighting the boredom and you know combating Corona with the rest of the world and all that, you um, you kind of outed yourself as a fan of Marvel out of all the superhero things. Oh, yeah. Well, here we go. We've got the two of the biggest Marvel fans on earth, really, in this band. Oh, okay. uh, incredible, George. George is just crazy about it, the same as 
same as me. I mean, there might be the the Atlantic, well, the big pond in between us, mm-hmm. but it's the same person. You know, it's ridiculous. You know, we like all the same stuff, and um, you know, he's like the brother I never had really. And uh, and we're the ones there. You know, every every gig we're doing, you know, we're we're out there check. You know, in the day before the sound check, we're out there checking out the comic book stores. And every everybody else just leaves me and George in there all day. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. You know, I'm getting this, and uh, you know, we basically stick all our two money into buying comic books. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, yeah, we've always loved it. You know, like I'm, uh, you know, my whole life. I mean, I I learned to read at about four because I wanted to know what the hell Spider Man was saying. You know, Mm. like and. uh, and uh, it also encouraged me to be be an artist because I was always kind of drawing sort of Marvel characters and things. But um, I love it, you know. I, I kind of had a staple diet of um, Marvel comic books and uh, mythology. I always loved um, Greek mythology, Norse mythology, anything like that, and uh, sort of horror films. And when you think about it, all that just gets you know mixed up, and it comes out in our songs. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know. God bless Stanley, though. You know, it's like uh, without him, my, my life would have been pretty boring. You know, like Me too. He, he, mm-hmm. you know, I just live for uh, Marvel. You know, I always wanted to be Iron Man. You know, <laughs> <laughs> right yeah, and I, I, it, it, there is. I never got to be. Iron Man. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> well, at least at least the song came from your neck of the woods. You, well, there you, you go. That's that. it, just down the road. There we and, go. And <laughs> uh, it, 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 you know, like I, I think, you know, when when you really think about it, you know, you, the, this part of the world, and the amount of bands that came out of it, you know, like Led Zeppelin and Black Sabbath and Judas Priest. I don't think Cloverleaf could have come from anywhere else, you know. And right. uh, you know, if you think if you think about of like writers, I mean, you know, Tolkien uh, spent a lot of his life like in Birmingham. So uh, maybe maybe something's in the water, you know, like uh, all these kind of um, the, the 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 real world isn't good enough, and it kind of encourages you to think about uh, fantasy, I guess. And uh, and I've been been into sort of uh, science fiction and um, you know fantasy, you know, always really. I I I love the power of the imagination, and uh, you know maybe that's where the songs come from. You know, um, I'm, I'm certainly influenced by all those things. Right on, right on. That certainly comes across, yeah. And I always, I've always said there is a strong connection between between metal and the geek world and all that. And it's just oh yeah, oh, for sure. It, it's, who's more geeky than Rush? You know, that's right. It makes them <laughs> even more. You know, <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> you know, they're, they're they're probably one of the few bands I haven't met. You know, like and uh, you know, I was absolutely devastated with the death of Neil Peart. Oh mm-hmm. my god. Yeah. He was just, well, awesome. My favourite drummer of all time. And, uh, you know, and obviously, I mean, I had two, there's three people really that influenced my bass playing. And uh, one's Chris Squire of Yes. And then it's Geddy, you know, like, and mm. it's Geddy and he's a butler. But, um, you know, Geddy's so awesome. I'd love to meet Geddy one day, you know. That'd be cool. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, I have not yet, and so it was definitely that's a that's a bucket list guest as well for sure, for sure. Yeah, someday, yeah. someday, someday. Yeah. And I mean, fo- I'm not taking anything from Alex. Alex is a genius, you know. Like uh, he's he's suspended chords and stuff, you know. Like fantastic. I mean, those three three guys together, you know. 
I just love everything about him. I mean, when when uh, it was like years ago, I was kind of into him, you know, right away. There was a, a, a writer called Jeff Barton in Sounds, and uh, I loved his taste, you know, like, and uh, he, he kind of invented Kerrang! magazine, you know, when Kerrang! actually was a good magazine. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> he, uh, <laughs> he, um, he, 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 uh, sort of half my record collection was sort of um built up on his recommendation you know like it was uh just awesome taste and uh and he sort of um mentioned uh, this young canadian band you know like and uh, they send um you know got a few led zeppelin kind of influences and stuff but they're really good and i remember reading the article and uh, it's the most money i ever paid for an album really uh, i had to get it on import and nobody kind of knew about it and it was rush's first one so later on you know when they did like fly by night and uh, crest of steel you know i was i was kind of into them like immediately and when they did their first tour of england on the 2112 tour uh i was there and you know i i also remember they stuck a little track in there which they were going to play on the uh, next album and actually played xanadu on that tour uh before it came out on farewell to kings and uh, i still got the um sort of uh, orange kind of t-shirt now kind of faded uh, but uh yeah they're, they're a major influence really Rush. right on right on yeah i as 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 a canadian boy myself like it's i never get tired of hearing people like around the world like just t- talk about how much they love rush it oh yeah the only band i think i saw you know like on every tour they did you know uh i absolutely adore them and uh you know to get that kind of the th- three of them there every 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 one of them like a genius a virtuoso mm-hmm. and to make that sound and there's just three of them you know there'll, there'll never be another rush there won't be no 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 and it's oh it's uh, almost pushing two in the morning your time but before oh, i yeah. let you <laughs> before I let you it's an absolute pleasure, you know. I feel like I've known you for years. <laughs> um, in a way, we kind we kind of have because we're kind of cut from the same cloth. You're, I'm right. pushing fifty, so you're only a couple years older than I am. And you were talking about buying, you know, Rush's first album on import when you were a kid. Well, I ended up buying Cloven Hoof's first album on import when i was a kid too and all that oh, so, yeah. thank you so much <laughs> does the heart good does the heart good it does, it i mean does. It's, it's weird you know like you feel uh really really proud and humble all at the same time you know like i mean we, we've we played in like france france uh, san francisco and the the guy I just turned up and the guy was like crying <laughs> and you know the promoter and i went what have we done you know like and he went See, you know, he said, can I just uh, take you outside? And I, I saw where outside. And there was this kind of record store, this, you know, old-looking record store kind of thing. And he went, that's where I bought your first album, like, when it came out. Aww. And he said, well, now. And I went, oh, my God, you know, like, and, uh, you know, I said, well, I think I think that deserves a free T-shirt at least, you know. Like, so. <laughs> but uh, it, it's weird, you know, you go to different countries and grown men kind of cry when they meet you. You think, well, we must be doing something right, you know. <laughs> But uh, you know, I mean that—that's—that's that's what it's all about, really. It's uh, there's no feeling on earth like you go around the world and people are singing every word, you know, to to your songs in in countries you've never been to before. Um, that alone is worthwhile, isn't it? You know, like and um, you know, it. I wouldn't change a thing. You know, it, I feel very lucky to still be in the music business and 
you know, people, well, I, I, th I think we're getting bigger, if anything. So, uh, you know, I, I uh, just want to say thanks to all the, the, the fans in Canada and everything who support us all these years. It's just such a privilege to play for everyone.
If you're not tuned in to The Shining Wizards, listen to what some of our fans have to say about the show. Hey guys, it's the Stallion. And when I'm contemplating suicide, I throw on The Shining Wizards because nothing makes me feel better than knowing I'm not one of these four grown adults, virgin fucking marks, discussing a fake wrestling product. Tune in live every Tuesday night, 7 p.m. East, rantemradio.com. It's The Shining Wizards where it's wrestling talk and talk about wrestling. Are you fed up with constantly searching for the records you want? Are you tired and frustrated from always straightening out your LPs? Now with KTEL Record Selector, this will never happen again. To choose your favorite music, tilt the first record forward. The others follow automatically. Pick your selection when it appears. To choose more LPs, lean the next record forward and wait for your choice. The Record Selector is a new space-age design for selection and storage of records. Fingertip control regulates the speed of record selector. To replace the records, tilt the first record forward. Record selector with a mind of its own will automatically stop where the LP was taken from. End awkward selection and storage of LPs with record selector. Attractively finished in a gift box. KTEL record selector, only $3.99. There are only three good things you need in life. Sex, beer, and pure rock.
That was Cloven Hoof label mates Destructor, another band, good friends of the show. We gotta have Dave Overkill on again. Great guy, great guy for sure. And of course, the mighty Destructor. That was um, Metal Till Death. Pure Steel Records had recently re-released an earlier um, one of their one of Destructor's earlier records, going way back to the '80s. Decibel Casualties. So he definitely had to do something there and before that another band that pretty much i discovered you know around the same time as i discovered cloven hoof and pretty much the same way you know only going by a couple reviews in a magazine and you know checking out the record cover and the name of the band and all that that's how i discovered satan <laughs> Okay. That, that's how you discovered Satan. <laughs> that's how I discovered Satan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was that was Doomsday Clock from their latest Metal Blade release. Not at their latest, the uh, one one before their latest in Cruel from Cruel Magic. Great stuff. Great stuff. Yeah, they both discovered both bands like kind of the the same way because I discovered. You know, metal like through Venom, you know, and they had a lot in Bathory and Slayer, and they had a lot of that satanic imagery and all that. And while I never really bought it, I understand it was just a gimmick and all that. And of course, years later in Norway and all that, they would take the gimmick way too far and all that. Uh, well, we we never saw it anything other than you know, kind of this spinal tapish gimmick and all that. So. I have to admit, you know, when I was 14, 15, I, I was whatever I could find that had like these satanic, you know, cult images and ideas and all that, you know, I kind of I kind of gravitated to with though like with Cloven Hoof, yeah, like the the name of the band, you know, has, you know, it's a Cloven Hoof and what do you think of when you you think of that? I think you know, of the old I uh... Old Testament, and that uh, you should not eat anything with a cloven hoof. That, that's where my mind goes first. <laughs> okay, fair enough, fair enough. But the, like the cloven hoof is the devil's foot, or whatever. And with that, with that, with the debut self-titled cloven hoof record, like they had a little bit of the imagery, but a lot of the songs, okay, really weren't, you know, full-on black metal. And it was the same thing with Satan. And we really should have someone. I really should be talking to someone from Satan about this, but I sometimes think that that name and all that might have hurt them somewhat because maybe some record shops, you know, I don't want to, you know, have a band called Satan, even though they weren't a black metal band. There's the new wave of British heavy metal band, you know, like like your your Diamond Heads, your Blitzkriegs. I feel like it'd be funnier to have a band called Satan doing like R and B or jazz or something. <laughs> Definitely, <laughs> for sure, for sure, for sure. So, so that makes me kind of think. Well, with a name like that, even to a lesser extent, Cloven Hoof. You know, you might have, you might be looking for some people that were looking, you know, for a new black metal band, and they never got it with those bands. You know, or there's people that. Well, I don't want any of that Satan in my in my music. I'm not listening. I'm not going to listen to a band called Satan, and 
you know, that, that might have hurt them. You know, it's so funny to think of how often that went on. Mm-hmm. That if that's the name, well, they must be the devil. They're called Satan. Right, right. You know. Antichrist, demon child, ACDC. Yeah. Oh, dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Knights in Satan service, kiss. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. uh-huh. That's... Uh, uh, what? Speaking of names, okay, since we're kind of, <laughs> since we're kind of on, on, on the topic... Okay, this is kind of um, with with everything that's going on in the world. Okay, and with statues coming down, maybe people changing their mentalities somewhat. An idea, and just we we all see it. We all see it. The world's changing. Attitudes are changing. What about artistically? There have been some changes. In the, in the music world lately that I don't know I don't know I don't know how necessary it is okay now in the in the sports world there's some major talk going on about getting rid of the name Washington Redskins so that I get you oh, know like you know, at this even point as a kid, does anybody even think about that anymore now more than ever yeah I yeah like that's that that even as a kid I was like the first time I discovered NFL, you know, be, being in Canada I obviously discovered the CFL first. Okay, when I discovered the NFL and I saw like Washington Redskins, I was like, what? What the hell? <laughs> How the hell do you call them that? Like, but most people, you know, Braves, Indians, and all that. Okay, back then there really wasn't much. They it didn't really give it much thought. No. The world was a lot less, lot less, lot less PC than it is now. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, now with with that in mind, okay, no one really said boo to the name David Lee Roth. And nobody still <laughs> says boo to the name <laughs> David Lee Roth because Apparently. Lee's a middle name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Apparently, the only one that ever said boo about David Lee Roth in today's climate is Mr. Roth himself. He's so crazy. <laughs> like when, when this news came across my desk that, that DLR wanted to take out the Lee out of his name because it was kind of, he felt like he didn't want it connected in any way to what's going on in the world. And of course, like I was talking about at, at the beginning of this segment, talking about statues coming down. And one of them, of course, is these these monuments to one Robert E. Lee. You know, General Lee. Yeah. And, all, like, and I'm not going to go into the backstory and all that. He just wasn't a very good man and with the whole Confederacy thing and all that. So Mr. Roth is like, no, today's climate, I don't want any connection to to this and all that. Here, in my name, I have Lee, and I think I'm going to get rid of it. And it looks like that's what he did. Well, I like, you know, D.L. Roth or just L. Roth 
but L spelled E L, like yeah. the um, Spanish word for the. <laughs> So yeah. the Roth, it, I'm the like, Roth. <laughs> I mean, honestly, he should have done that one years ago because because I love that one, El Roth. <laughs> you know, could I got like a could have like a Zorro mask on? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah I, I think it's hysterical. I think that'd be a blast. Uh, right. But the thing about this, yeah, is never at any point. Okay. Did I ever connect David Lee Roth, Van Halen, etc., to anything that had to do <laughs> with Robert E. Lee? No. Nothing. Now, so, okay. Womanizing, um, drinking, partying. Right. Um, like those three things, absolutely. <laughs> and you I'm know. sure Robert E. Lee did a lot of that himself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but. no, actually, wasn't it Grant? I believe Grant was the was the alcoholic. Ulysses S. Grant. Oh, okay. Yeah, and and like um, Bob Newhart has a skit about it. Like, <laughs> you you need to check it out because it's talking about like uh, Abe Lincoln versus Madison Avenue. He's like, what if Abe Lincoln had um, you know, press like they do today? Like, what what if the marketers had to invent him? And they're like, <laughs> they're like, hey, baby, how's it going? You know, no, no, no I told you, <laughs> you got to write them on the backs of envelopes. You can't type them out. Write them on the backs of envelopes. Like it's, it's hysterical. <laughs> but but like they're like. People are giving you a crap about Grant's drinking. Okay, hang on. The next time somebody says something, you're going to find out what he drinks and get a case of it for all your generals. <laughs> uh, well, is Bob, yeah. Bob Newhart still with us, eh? Uh, yeah, yeah, I believe so, yeah. Oh, like, okay, I love that good. guy. He, he is one of the sure. funniest guys in the world, dude. Like, I, I can listen to his comedy records and just crack up anytime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some good for stuff. Sure. But... Anyway, back back to um, <laughs> yeah, you know yeah. Dave, David L. Roth. <laughs> yeah, just like I, which which kind of makes me think, okay, like no no one ever connected that. No, never. Okay. Nobody no, was going no, to connect no that. No, until until Roth kind of brought it up himself. So this yeah. is kind of making me think. I still can't connect it. Where he's where he's kind of like. Look what's going on in the world. Here I am. I don't know. I'm, I'm in this band. You know, we haven't done anything in a while. I'm this classic, you know, nostalgia rocker. Classic narcissist. I think yeah. that's what we're getting <laughs> at. How am I, I going to get relevant again? And don't get me wrong. I love David Lee Roth. But this whole thing just kind of reeks of, well, this will get me in the press. This yeah. will make me relevant. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I think this was like a drunk text um, that, that, that went wrong. Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah, I think yeah so like too. it's ridiculous. That's, that's a good way of putting it. Good way of putting it. Um, and the Dixie Chicks. Well, so are, let's talk about once that again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay, they're they're not meddling all that, but okay. Still, still, this this kind of got my attention as well because it just it, it made me think. Well, they're at it again. Yeah, you know, I remember, and and in a good way. It's just like they when they were at it again the first time. I have to admit, I kind of backed them back then. The Dixie Chicks, like years ago, uh, in the early two thousands, they came under fire, got a lot of criticisms. Because they spoke out against George Bush. And being like a country band, 
obviously a lot of their fan base were Republican. So, and and we're country fans. Do we have to say Republican? Like, I think there are Democrat country fans out there. Oh, there are. There are. Okay, fair enough. There are Republicrats. There we go. That's better. That's the expression that I like to use anyway. That feels better. Because up here, up up here, like for me, you guys down there, you're all Republicrats. Yeah, like, I know. We're 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 the meth lab on the bottom floor. Yeah, right. I think so. I think so. Yes, yes. When you guys, like, as much as I like to bash, uh, I almost said Bush, you know, old old habits. As much as I like to bash Trump, okay, okay, he has provided a lot of entertainment. Oh yeah, we said okay. that the minute he was elected. <laughs> That's right. That's I, right. I, I remember that episode clearly because, you know, everybody's like, oh, fuck, Trump. And you and I are both like, nope. Music <laughs> is going to be so much better. The world's going to be so entertaining and it's not disappointed. And that's, that's kind of rang true. Now, if, if, if America does the right thing, votes him out, and I think November... It's going to kind of be like, you know, when you have your favorite TV show and you tune in every week and you're getting right into it. And then then after one season, it gets canceled and you're kind of like, oh, oh, shit. Well, (laughs) that's going to be Trump's presidency for us here in Canada. at least. That's a really good point. It's almost going to be like when they replace a main character. Yeah. And, and then you're like, what the fuck is this? And you yeah. stop watching the show? Because, uh-huh. I, like, I mean, think think about this. Anybody who legit wants to be president now, it's it's like, it, it, it's, I mean, it's kind of like, America's kind of like the house in the money pit right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I if, if so. you've seen that old 80s movie with Tom I do, Hanks, I do. The Money Pit, yeah. yeah. Like, oh, like, like, fantastic. Like, I like, like, that's what I feel whoever the next president is is walking into, you know? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, the Dixie Chicks yeah. were quite outspoken. <laughs> Sorry, we got off onto a tangent that quite outspoken about um, George Bush, and all that to the point where there was this incredible backlash. Their fans just, just oh, oh! I remember um, them appearing on was it the cover of Rolling Stone or Newsweek, yeah, or whatever, and they painted themselves up, you know, with all these derogatory terms. Yes, that their fans were being thrown at them like whore and bitch and you know just. And I thought, man, that is some really, really powerful imagery. To this day, I still couldn't tell you the name of a Dixie Chick song. I, maybe to hear one. I didn't know I they might. were still around. A- apparently, apparently they are because they're back at it again. And they've just, they've dropped the Dixie from their name. And now they're just known as... The chicks. Well, so isn't that worse in today's Me Too climate? Yeah, the word "chick" is kind of uh, is kind of passe as well. Yeah, like I feel like that's worse. And I mean, and if you're gonna call yourselves the chicks, then I hope you're gonna become a punk band. Uh, yeah, yeah, because that that kind of strikes me. Yeah, you know, and then it's spell it C H I X. Yeah, like, and that's the that only I, way you're getting away I, with that name in in today's climate is like you better have some aggressive punk and <laughs> and be like all about, 
you know, making fun of, well, everything with a penis. But, um, like, yeah, yeah, I feel like the chicks, like, I feel like that's worse. Yeah, yeah, because, like, they've, like, I, I, and I understand why, why, you know, the whole Dixie thing and why they're getting rid of it, and I believe, because that's an expression that's connected to the Confederacy, so, is it not? Yeah, well, yeah, because, yeah, I mean... Um, it's below the Mason-Dixon line. Yeah, the Mason-Dixon I, line, Dixie, right. that sort of thing. And But I would connect that with with all the races and stuff less than if they had an album cover that had the Confederate flag on it. Right. You know, it, like, if, if they used the Confederate flag in all their shows and hate Bush, that's just irony. But, mm-hmm. um... Like, like, yeah, like, like, I don't think I would even be like, oh, the Dixie Chicks, they better change their name. Like, if, if there's an artist who, if this gentleman was still alive, who would probably be under fire right now, it'd be Dimebag Daryl. Like, oh, for sure. That yeah. guy, I mean, how many different guitars does he have with the rebel flag on it? You know, mm-hmm. the Confederate flag? I mean, you know, like, and he, back, back, oh, he'd be under fire. No, no, go ahead. Oh, and but but back then, like we we weren't connecting the Confederate flag with 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 the racism with no. the because it was definitely a different PC world. Like it was the same thing with Leonard Skinner and in the pro wrestling world, you had the, the fabulous free, you had, well, yeah, the Dukes of Hazard, and you had the fat fabulous Freebirds, and they all, mm-hmm. and it just meant living in the South. Yes. It didn't mean everything that went with it all of that was definitely there and i understand now why you know what all this means and why they want to get rid of the con- the confederate flag and why why the dixie why the chicks are are getting rid of the dixie and all that i understand i definitely understand that have Once you a- seen the lemmy documentary yes lemmy really put a great spin on this so do you remember when they're in his apartment and they're talking about all the Nazi stuff he has? Right. Do you remember what he says about it? Yeah, he said, I, I, don't, I don't agree with it, but it's like history. He's a history buff. Well, and, and more than that, he's like, listen, he's like, the bad guys have the coolest looking stuff. <laughs> you know, and that really str- like struck a chord with me because as a kid, dude, I love the Confederate flag. Like... I I wanted Confederate flag T-shirts. I did whatever I could to find Confederate flags. I think I had inflatable raft that was a Confederate flag because I just thought it looked cool. I mm-hmm. knew nothing about really what it stood for. Like, I, okay, I got to give us the flag of the South, but it, you know, it at that point in my mind, like we had said, slavery's bad. You guys are dumb. It's done. I had no idea there were people that were still like, no, this is my flag. Like, you know, uh-huh. and, and the thing is, I mean, like, dude, I used to draw fucking swastikas on my book, um, like like my book covers, you know, in high school. I wasn't a Nazi, but it yeah, looks you, fucking cool. Yeah, it's just, you, you, know? you just you just didn't think of it. It's not anything yeah. that you would do today. And you're, still no. on, you know, you're definitely not looking for anything like with the confederate flag now and all that but it's just that was the just it was it was yeah, a different world it, it was, when a, we it was were a different younger. era we didn't look at it that way and i'll tell you though like i mean just having dove into really trying to understand what's going on 
after the George Floyd thing, dude, like there's a lot of fucking work to do. Mm-hmm. So I actually started like trying to like trace slavery, right? Um, because I'm like, well, wait a second. We're, we're really all the slaves sent to America. And we were on like 9% of the slave trade volume. I couldn't tell you who the higher one. There was somebody who was 39%. And I remember looking and going, wow, really? That country? Um, mm. But yeah, America didn't have the highest volume of the slave trade. And because I'm trying to trace it back and figure out what was going on. And in, essentially, like the slave trade started in Africa where, you know, the warring tribes would, would fight. And if they lost, they would take their, um, you know, the people that they were fighting and sell them off as slaves. Because mm-hmm. they thought less of them, like you're less than us kind of thing, you know. And so, and, and I think that's the mentality that's still going on today, that somebody can look at somebody and say that you're less than. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, that's it, exactly. Yeah. You know, and, and so, so like before really diving into this, and just like it blows my mind that in today's climate, like with with the amount of information we're exposed to, with the amount of education that is available to everybody, how is anybody still like, well, black people, they're they're worthless. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> Two words, James Brown. Let's start there. Right? <laughs> um, Chuck Berry, like like, oh yeah, you like like rock and roll? Yeah, you wouldn't have any of it without fucking Chuck Berry. Mm-hmm. Like Chuck Berry is the blueprint for rock and roll guitar. Oh well, I love the Rolling Stones. They're an English band. Yeah, you know who they like? Chuck fucking Berry. Like, uh-huh. like, like, like it just, you know. And and it's funny because like, growing <clears throat> growing up, like I didn't, I you know, my my family was just like, no, whatever you want to listen to, what's going on. And, you know, mom would turn me on to, like, Chuck Berry and Fats Domino and, like, all these other black artists, which, before, you know, because all I had was a 45. I didn't know if they were black or white. Like, That's I, true. I yeah. didn't know what anybody looked like. I'm just like, this is amazing. Like, is there more of this, you know, and Little Richard and just, like, all these great artists. And, and to this day, dude, if you say, hey, who's your favorite black guitarist? I'm going to say uh, Jimi Hendrix because Me that's too. Me too, yeah. because he's the only guy I can think of, you know, off the top of my head. Oh, yeah, that's right. He's black. But if you say, OK, who's your favorite guitarist? I'll tell you Chuck Berry. Because, because that. I yeah. never, ever like I, like I, I it was the age before the Internet, before pictures. So I don't know if Chuck Berry's black. You know, I do now, you know, but but like. I, I didn't ever form that association, but like when I discovered Hendrix, um, he was on the cover of Guitar Magazine, so I could clearly see that, okay, he's a black guitarist. Right. You know, but I, I didn't have that association with Chuck Berry, you know, or Bo Diddley or those guys, just like this shit rocks, you know? So, yeah, so, okay, hang on, where do we come from? Dixie Chicks, right? Let's, let's head back there. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, it's all, it's all, the, it's yeah. all, the, it's all the same thing. It's all, it's, it's, all, it's all one big conversation. With, with this, though, it does, they, they do kind of open themselves up to the criticism that perhaps, like with David Lee Roth, I don't, I don't, and I don't know, I don't know if the Dixie Chicks just last year had a new album that was number one on the on the Hillbilly Billboard or whatever. I don't know, okay, but 
from my limited knowledge of it, if, you know, if they haven't done anything, they've been out of the country music consciousness in a long time. Hey, look what's going on in the world. Hey, look at, look at the reaction when we opened our mouths last time. We were on the cover of Newsweek or whatever. What if we do this? What if we, you know, look, look a gift horse in the mouth once again and say let's let's lose the dixie you know and i'm not saying this is what they're doing they could be you know quite honorable in their intentions here but if we lose the dixie in our names and we go to the media and say look at what we're doing again pay attention to us they have never struck me as anybody with any bit of integrity and i hope that i am wrong like, I hope as I say that out loud that I am completely wrong. And after this, when I sit down to research all the Bush stuff, I'm going to find out that these guys have been supporting the NAACP and whatever else has been out there and LGBTQ. And they've been a completely different, um, like, than, than what I have in my mind, right? Because in my mind, they're just a bunch of windy, dumb bitches making cra- crappy music. You know, and mm-hmm. if anybody thinks that's a derogatory, like, sorry, that's just, you know, how I feel about it. <laughs> um, but, you know, like, and, and I don't, like, I don't even mean that misogynistically or anything. It's just like, shut up, you know. Like, um, but I, I, I hope I'm wrong, but they, they have never struck me like there's any substance there. Um, I just, all I can say is back then... Okay, when they did all that, I like I, I I was behind them. It's like I'll never buy any of your records. I don't care about your music, but I was doing a lot of bush bashing myself, and not the good kind. I was, you know? I was totally gonna make that joke. I'm so yeah, glad you I did. Doing, I was doing. I'm so glad you did. Yeah, I was doing doing a lot of bush bashing there, and uh, yeah, so that was definitely something that I could have gotten behind. This time round, I'm a little, I'm a little more, a little more suspicious. So about it. Let, let's let, let, let's let's twist this one into the the other thing I posted in our group me chat, the free speech thing. Um, mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on the corporate ban on Facebook? Meaning, so um, what's going on here in the states is a bunch of corporations, like the top ten advertisers on Facebook, are um, halting all advertising on social media for the next thirty days because. Um, they don't appreciate Facebook's advertising apology, which allows "quote unquote" hate speech um, ads that are on there. So I they basically were, want to want to stop a certain type of ad. Okay, which ad was this? Who? What's what's the wise and uh, wise and where for? Because from what I'm seeing with, like, first of all, with Facebook, it's it's not a a a public entity it's a private business right just like radioactive metal is we could say well we don't want to play this band because we don't like what they're saying right okay that's that's not censorship facebook can say here on our on our privately owned enterprise we don't want this shit spoken about we have every right to not want it on P. I think people are forgetting that like Facebook is so widespread, like we just think it's part of 
right. the internet. Well, well, no, it's not. It's a website. But people are specifically calling for Facebook to ban um, hate speech ads, right? Um, yeah, because yeah. they're they're saying, you know, as uh, as as a consumer of your product, I don't want to see this. I think that's fair ball. Well, so yes, but here here here's where I'm concerned about it. I don't believe in censorship in any in, in any way, right? And if you're censoring things on Facebook, then you're definitely controlling what's what's being seen because let's let's face it, Facebook is a huge huge platform and I believe it is a publicly traded business, right? Okay, okay, okay but it's it's not it's 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 not government, it's not oh, out no. there. Like it's still when I say a private company, I'm saying, yeah, okay, you may have they may have investors and public trading right. and all that yeah but it's not but yeah I, it's it's still owned by an individual yeah i i well no i mean i think it's owned by the board at this point but that's a whole other thing but so yeah. i i really think that we're we're teetering dangerously on free speech right because because now it's coming down to well i don't like what you're saying so i want you completely silenced that's essentially what Tipper Gore wanted to do in the eighties. Oh, I know for sure. For I don't sure. like what you're saying, so you should be silenced. Right? Yeah. That's it's, what's happening to. Yeah, well, that's not what's happening. It's what's been happening to to the to the to the black people of the, of this country. I don't like what you're saying, so you should be silenced. You know, that's what happened to women. I mean, heck, that's still what's happening to women. I don't like what you have to say, so you should be silenced. I I completely disagree with it. Um, I I think that we are really walking a very dangerous line um and you know i i don't think silencing any one side is the answer because if we're not talking about it that doesn't mean that it's not happening because it, like it, it's like you're creating a false utopia well i don't yes. want to see these sorts of things so now they they don't exist Right, that well, uh, that I will agree with you. Yes, it's yeah. it, we have we have to know it's out there. We have to, we have to, you know, we have to talk about it and all that. But yeah. to allow, like, okay, you're 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 equating like you're not directly, but you're indirectly equating, you know, hate speech with what the PMRC was doing. Well, no, the PMRC was censoring art. Well, so okay. no 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 not to them to them they were they were censoring okay. things that are vulgar that they find offensive <laughs> okay. and that's okay. what people are talking about today they're censoring things that are vulgar that they find offensive okay. but no there's 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 what there's what you think is vulgar art yeah and then there there's hate speech and right. hate speech is not art it's not vulgar art but but to the person it, doing the hate just, speech they don't think that it's vulgar hate speech so but this is the argument right like i'm i'm not i'm i'm not arguing the right or wrong with you because i mean like like you and you and i have been really clear about this especially offline i am 100 percent against this hate speech like, like oh, of course like, yes like, i am all for like we have got to figure this shit out right mm. and i do not want a world where there is any individual that feels like they are being fucking singled out because god damn it that is not happening not, not just no we can't have it happen like like that's not what America's for. But America's also not about silencing ideas they don't agree with. You know? That was the, yeah, that's how, that's the foundation of America. Yeah. 
And yet, sure. that's what the PMRC wanted to do, silence the ideas they don't agree with. That's what is happening with the hate speech, silence, uh, you know, uh, the ideas that people don't agree with. But that's also what happens with what the white supremacists are trying to do, is silence the ideas they don't agree with. You know, you, 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 that's, that's not how we do things. And, and honestly, that's not what's going to do it, be in a healthy society. I mean, what, um, fuck, was it Russia that essentially made being homosexual, um, illegal? Oh, yeah, there's lots of countries. Yeah. And I, and I feel like, like it was like, I can't remember if it was imprisonment or death or both eventually. Like, like, but I mean, you know, and and the problem is we get lost in the fact that getting rid of hate speech against LGBTQ against African Americans is a you know is is a um, is a noble thing and because it is and that's the right thing to do. However, then why does it become okay to have hate speech against the racists? Because you're fighting hate. But there's 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 that's. That's a big difference. But but why is it okay to to hate them and say derogatory things about them if it's not okay for them to say derogatory things about black people? Uh, I certainly wouldn't condone, you know, going on and just childish name calling. I certainly wouldn't I would I certainly don't don't condone that. That doesn't do anything but just make the other guy more angry instead of reaching out trying to say, "Hey, this is this is why you're wrong." Exactly. You know, you like the Archie Bunker mentality, yeah, you know, you 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 you, you can call a boomer Archie yeah. Bunker all you want. It's not it's it's not going to register. No, but and that's what's happening is is we get we get into this like like one of my friends at work who's um, older than I am. Um, well, she was she, she we no longer work together, but still a good friend. When she goes off about Trump, she sounds like a toddler throwing a fit. And she is one of the most intelligent people you will ever meet, Snowy. Mm-hmm. Like, no doubt. like she is a brilliant woman. And when she talks about Trump, she sounds like she's a fucking three-year-old. And I told her that. I'm like, listen, you're not going to get anybody on your side with this kind of shit. And, no. and, and I can't get 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 across to anybody. It's like, like you can't just be like, you can't just be like, well, he's an idiot. He's this. Like, yeah, that's hate speech. Like, that's the same thing that you don't want him to say about, you know, women, black people, whatever else. Or, you know, like, like, you know, and, and the other problem I really have with this is, like, the same people that um, that, that are okay w- with, you know, Facebook doing a ban, uh, or, or people, ban, you know, boycotting Facebook, are the same people that will tell you that America is co- controlled by corporations, and in this case, they'd be absolutely right. If the corporate ban is working, which it did, Facebook is changing their policies officially, I believe, as of yesterday. Um, so really, everything is just controlled by the amount of money that goes around. End of the day, that's... <laughs> you know, yeah, and, oh yeah, and that's, that's a mm-hmm. bigger problem, right? You know, and because, um, like, 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 did you see, I can't remember who posted it, there is some lady outside her house with a gun and her and her husband outside their house with a gun. <laughs> the McCloskeys or whatever. Oh, yeah. did you, you saw it? You saw it? You know, oh, yeah. Oh, oh, that's a big, yeah. oh, there are so okay. many memes and there are well, so many. 
Oh, this is the best this, part. This, is, this, the is, this is, is the entertaining yeah. part of America for us. Well, the best part is like you know they they had an assault rifle and they're not holding it right. <laughs> you know, uh-huh. it's like okay, um, why do you own that? Have you ever shot it in your life? And so, so that's like see that that's when I say yes, there needs to be gun laws, but unfortunately, the gun laws don't apply to them, not because they're white. Because they're rich and powerful and connected with influence. Mm-hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, we need to make a real clear disti- like distinguishment here. We, we need to distinguish between what's white privilege and what is rich privilege. Right? Like, like, more often than not, it's the same thing. Like Snowy and I are both white. If we walk outside our house with a gun, you better bet we're going to get arrested. Mm-hmm. Right. If we if we were doing doing that oh, in Canada, yeah, yeah. I, or at least at, le- at least the police would be, you know, what's going on? Why do you have that gun? Yeah, yeah. You know, be- because because we, we can't do that, right? Um, mm-hmm. But those guys get away with it because they're rich and they're connected. They probably own the fucking police department or they contribute to it, right? Or, so yeah, they're, I think they're both lawyers. Yeah, we we cannot forget about the fact that you know, like they're like. And and I really feel like, and okay, and and I want to be very clear, I am not trying to in any way diminish what's going on with Black Lives Matter, but I think that there is a bigger thing going on where you have the rich trying to segment and break apart um, the the lower class, right? Because I mean, let's face it, like you know, the one percenters, you know. If, if they can divide the people that are below them, I mean, there's more of us that aren't rich than there are oh, of rich. Of you know, that are rich. We could easily take over, blah, blah, revolution, yada, yada, whatever, you know, but you need to keep the people divided. So how do you divide them? You, and so they, you create by, these, by, these by, yeah, things, yeah. you know. They, the, the 1% want the rest of us arguing over... The Monday night football game. Exactly. They, right. <laughs> that's you know, just just give them a couple toys, keep the masses busy, occupied elsewhere, and then we'll go about ruling the world. And it's working because it is. I watch all the comments on the video of the, of those people, and everybody is just saying, "Oh, it's because they're white." It's because they're white. Like, nope, 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 fucking no. It's that's not. Yeah, it's not just because they're white. Like, yeah, that's absolutely a factor. But those motherfuckers are rich and influential. Mm-hmm. They're just going to buy off whatever they need to buy off. Like, so let's not forget about that. And we we've got to we've got to stay the course on this. And and that's the thing is like so, if people can throw around their money and change what is being said and what you're hearing, that sounds awesome today, right? Because I don't have to hear hate speech. That means that we won. It doesn't mean you've won because you don't hear it. It means you don't know about it. Mm-hmm. And then it's it's going to bubble up under the surface until it explodes. And then it's going to take everybody by surprise, right? But then what happens when you're the person that the corporations decide they don't want to hear from? Yeah, yeah. And now yeah. all of that power is against you. Yeah. That's that's my point, right? Because it still comes down to the PMRC thing is like they're trying to get all the government involved. And I do want to point out before, you know, because because you love to um, Republican bash 
and I am well. a Republican. Um, <laughs> but I want to point out that the PMRC, the head of fucking PMRC, was a fucking Democrat. They, they, they were Democrats. That's one of the reasons why I use the the expression Republicrats. Thank yeah. you, Jello Biafra. But yeah. yeah, that is a good one. So I, I, I want I want to take this moment here real quick to um, to in in a nutshell sum up the difference between a liberal mindset and a conservative mindset. Here in the States with the masks, Joe Biden, Democrat, liberal, wants to mandate masks. If I'm elected, I'm going to mandate the masks for the entire country. Uh, Trump is like, nope, let the governments handle it. Let, like, let the governors of each state figure out what they need to do for their state. And then the governors are actually like letting, at least in my state, the governors are letting the mayors handle what they need to do for their area. Like, you guys figure this out. What needs to go on? Right there, that's the difference between a liberal and a conservative government. A liberal government wants a big government. The government controls everything. Mm-hmm. And the government's the, the, the first and last word. The conservative government's like, I don't have time for this shit. I'm going to handle the things that you guys can't handle. I'm going to handle, you know, public libraries, schools, defense, that sort of stuff. You handle the other shit on your local level, what makes sense for you at that level. Because what makes sense for South Carolina does not make sense for California and vice versa, you know? Mm-hmm. So that that's the, the fundamental difference. Whether you agree with with, with Trump's politics or not, I appreciate where he's coming from, where he's like, no, I want the governors to figure out what makes sense for their state. Like, you, you, because here's the deal. If you're the governor, if you're the senator, if you're whatever for your state, you should, as a representative of your state, be connected to what the fuck is going on, right? More mm-hmm. so than what somebody who's sitting in, you know, uh, the White House would be to what's going on. So, you should know what's best for the people of your state. And you're the person who is going to be the best there to execute and manage it because you're that representative, you know. Um, But like the liberal big government thing gets dangerously close to like communism and socialism, which on paper always looks good. And I'd love to see like a good social experiment done with that. But that's a whole other thing. But anyway... (laughs) So, you know, I, I digress, but yeah, so like I I really worry about these these sort of bands because I mean, let's face it, with what we do, it's only a matter of time before somebody decides that metal is the devil again. You know? Mm-hmm. And then now like all metal bands are banned from Facebook. And Coca-Cola's withholding their advertising until metal bands are no longer allowed to advertise on Facebook. You know what I mean? I can see that. I can see that. You know, and I, this is sort of yes and no, but trust me, I've been bitching and moaning a lot. These giants, since you brought up giant corporations and all that, I'm seeing all of these corporations. They're all getting like they're all, they're all, you know. We got to fight COVID. We got to stand together. We're we're this. We're we're that. Look how good we are. Fuck off. Yeah. Okay, exactly. like major corporations, be it Canadian, American, any of them, they've never given a rat's ass about Joe and Jane Average, the 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 common man. It's 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 the bottom line. Yeah, profit and, 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 and I see I see these ads, and it makes me not want to 
invest in your products and all of that so yeah that's kind of my my quick little snowbox and for the record i don't like joe biden either well good good <laughs> we, we can agree on that so um you want to hear something interesting snowy okay um the most recent dixie chicks album is called gaslighter released oh, in yes, 2020 yeah. released yeah. in 2020 okay. Okay, so yeah, they do have, and gaslighting, that's a new expression that I recently learned on yeah. on, face, on Facebook and all that. I'm still not 100% on it and all that, but I understand what they're, where they're coming from with that. So yeah, I guess the chicks are just kind of looking yeah. to re- remain relevant. See, and, and that's and the kind of shit that we have to be watching out for. You know, like like that's that's the stuff that's pissing me off because we cannot take our eye off the ball and like the the the, the mask thing. Everybody is trying to turn everything political because I mean, let's let's face it, everything that's happening right now in America is a political move in one way or another. You mm-hmm. know, depending like you want to support Black Lives Matter because fuck, you don't want to be canceled. You want your customers or whatever else, but like like what we need to do. Is there there needs to be somebody who next year be like, um, so here's what you promised and here's what you didn't do, so fuck off. Mm-hmm. You know, because because like we can't take our eye off the ball. We can't think that these are short wins. You know, like like we've gotta keep fucking going. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Well, we're um not everything is that bad down in the south as um as it can be attested to by tonight's indie spotlight we're always on the lookout for fresh new talent check out this indie spotlight With tonight's indie spotlight, it was kind of like, um, well, I kind of like equated to kind of like a snowy discovery. You know, it wasn't a friend's band or it wasn't recommended to me by someone or a PR didn't say, you know, hey, man, check this band out. Want to play them on radioactive metal and all that. It's just a band that I kind of discovered on my own while pissing around on Bandcamp. You know, that's just one of the things I like to do. Go on to Bandcamp, and it's just amazing, you know, what you can find as long as the curiosity is there. I discovered Texas's Torture Tomb. <laughs> really cool, really cool, brutal death metal. Something that I can totally get in behind. And their latest release, "Killing to See How It Feels," really caught my attention. Though, and this isn't just a focus on torture tomb this is actually kind of a focus on the people that are handling their latest release they are known as transylvanian tapes kind of like a a diy independent label that are taking artists and putting out their stuff exclusively at least for them exclusively onto cassette oh wow it's kind of like yeah, a little in DIY indie label that are releasing demo tapes. 
That's and you know awesome. how I am. You know how I am with oh, the yeah. old school mentality and the pen bangers and demo so tape trading days and all that. Yeah. Yeah. So this really caught my attention. Okay. Transylvanian tapes as well are um, put out um, the band Mortuous. They're... Um, their their 2012 demo tape before they before they got signed you know on to um, tank crimes and carbonized and mortuous are this this young rising band here in the underground um, their latest album through wilderness is being repressed on vinyl through carbonized records as we speak looking forward to that again as well so yeah it's not just I didn't just get into this new band, Torture Tomb, but just discovering Transylvanian tapes all over or th with them as well. It really caught my attention. A lot of good stuff being put out there. So let's kind of give a, uh, a little sample of what's going on within those camps. This is Texas's... Texas's... This is just... <laughs> That's just my piss poor grammar or what? This from from the great state of Texas. This is torture tomb with killing to see how it feels.
check that out. Facebook.com slash torture tomb TX. Like Texas and all that. Like I said, it's not all crap down in the south <laughs> right now. But at least at least there are some killer artists and music, you know, that are out there still doing it. Of course, while you're there checking out tor- tor- torture tomb. Get on to Bandcamp, and I strongly recommend checking out Transylvanian tapes as well. You know, if you like, if you're like me, you like that old school mentality, or if you're just a, a you know, a young gun that is just discovering new new music and all that, just a good way of getting on to a little bit of, maybe not with the artists, but just kind of historical formats. You know, if you want to kind of dive in to see how it was done kicking it old school as the young as the young bucks say it today and of course most young fans old school means two years ago but maybe maybe four (laughs) maybe four yeah yeah maybe maybe but when we when we're kicking it old school we're 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 talking vinyl we're talking cassettes we're talking eight tracks even (laughs) and so yeah you want to kick it old school yeah, go out and check out Transylvanian tapes on Bandcamp and send them a couple bucks for some of these, for so, sure. Something else about Bandcamp, which I've been really impressed with, is several times since um, COVID has happened, they have waived their commission to give 100% of that money to the artists on very specific days. Mm-hmm. Um, they're... They, they publicize the heck out of it. They make sure that you know as a Bandcamp member. Um, and I just got to give them a shout out for that because they they got to make a living too, right? I mean, you know, what they're doing, the service they provide, having, you know, an individualized page and servers and all that sort of space, they've got to make something off of it, right? Right. And the fact that they, they keep saying, nope, we're going to take this, like, like what they did on Juneteenth. Everything from Juneteenth went to the NAACP and the different, um, well, I don't know if it was NAACP, but it went to um, anybody basically who was, who was supporting the Black Lives Matter. Like they, they were they were working on, on those sort of things, making sure that they were allocating funds the right way. They've, you know, like I said, several times are just making sure that the artists that are on there are getting more money because people can't get out and play shows. You know, they That's can't right. go out and do what was making them the money. So this is all they got, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, which goes back. To, I'm not going to get back into that, but what, what we're talking about, what is capitalism in the underground and all that? Yeah, faith, Bandcamp is a business, but when you do stuff like that, that makes me think they're not they're not a capitalist it's all about the music it's all about the love it's all about the passion yeah just just last just yesterday as we speak was one of their waving days yep as as well so yes yes horns up to Bandcamp, and thank you for just providing me with entertainment like like i said i've got no problems just sitting down at my computer and just browsing through Bandcamp and just discovering awesome new music yeah and it's funny because like i i bought a couple things through Bandcamp before because they were the only place i could get them but i i wasn't doing a lot of shopping through there and because of what they've done recently i'm like i want to start making sure i do most of my shopping through there because i mean you know, I'm not going to stop buying music. I love music. It's, you know, the whole reason we're here, you know, and I mm-hmm. like, I, 
I actually like to pay for music, which is an odd um, concept for a lot of people. <laughs> because, you know, when I when I buy music, it's the same thing as supporting a local restaurant, a local crafter. Like, somebody is getting money for the skill that they had to sweat to learn, you know? That's right. And, and, and right there, to me, that's the American dream. That's That's everybody's dream. Like, you want to be able to... Do what you want to do and make money doing it. That's the American dream. And so let's celebrate this this 4th of July, you know. There we go. There we go. Celebrate love and passion. Not, Hell yes. Not necessarily consumerism. Well, my friend, um, you survived another week? Barely. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. Um, I know we have, we have a lot more important things to talk about than the weather but i know you like ribbing me about up here in canada it's all it's it's all igloos and ice hockey it is dude with with the humidex uh, there were some points this week since we last spoke it was going up to like 40 degrees which is like a hundred in your your goofy fahrenheit and all that so what, like, what's oh, funny to me is that we we get the heat that you get and worse but we never see the cold temperatures. The, the other side, yeah. yeah. It just goes to show just how hardy Canadians are because, like, the majority of the world, Australia, um, Af- Africa, South South America, you know, and a lot of the states, you have one climate, you know. You get up a little north, and you know you have the scandinavian countries let's bring it back to metal the scandinavian <laughs> countries yeah you know they they have a weather that's an awful lot like ours you know you have to be pretty hardy to live in north america or in, in norway sweden finland yeah. much like you have to be pretty hardy and adaptable to live here in canada especially here on the prairies where we've had the last couple of years man Winnipeg temperature has was the coldest. There were a couple of days where we were the coldest on the planet. Dude. That includes Ant- Antarctica. That's insane, man. Oh yeah, this this city. We are a meteorologist wet dream. <laughs> we, we we can go from forty degrees to minus forty oh, in dude. six in six months. Dude. Like it's it's absolutely amazing. But but uh, we shall persevere. And no matter what happens in the world, radioactive metal will continue to um, thrive because of all of our great support. How can people get a hold of us? Radioactivemetal.org. Head there to get all the back episodes of the show. Check us out iTunes, Stitcher, anywhere you like to get your podcast. Please do us a favor. Leave us a review, right? And anywhere you can leave a review, leave us a review. Because that helps get more people aware of who we are. Um, You can also check us out, shiningwizardsnetwork.com. We're part of the Shining Wizards Network. Very proud to be a part of that network. And um, because of them, we are also available on Spotify. So check out Shining Wizards Network on Spotify. You'll not only get Radioactive Metal, you're going to get a lot of other great wrestling and lifestyle podcasts. One of them being a wrestling night in Canada, hosted by mm-hmm. Snowy and the aforementioned Ducky on this show. Um, so they've got some stuff going on there for that sort of thing. You can also check us out at RadMetal666 on Twitter and Instagram, as well as RadMetal666 at Gmail to drop us a line. 
uh, facebook.com slash radmetal. And if you'd like to send Snowy a snail mail like the old pen bangers, you Kicking can drop us a line. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can drop us a line through any of those. We'll get you his address, and you guys can exchange letters via the Canadian Mounted Moose Mail. Mm. <laughs> yes. And maybe yes. maybe you can start some uh, maple syrup smuggling. <laughs> there we go. Yes, because the world needs more maple. We, we really do. <laughs> Definitely, definitely. Yes, and in the meantime and in between time, that's it. This has been a very hoof fetish episode <laughs> of Radioactive Metal. <laughs> I'm Stoy White. And this is Aaron. Signing off. Signing <laughs> off.